the affirmative task we have now is uh, is to actually um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order, uh, a new world order, uh, a new world order, uh, a new world order. All right, a new world order. Yeah. <laughs> How's everyone doing? Uh, Dr. NWA here, the artist formerly known as uh, Jeff C. I hope everything's coming in, and I hope my guest will be here in a minute. He just went to get a, a, a glass of water sort of thing, and uh, we're going to get into a big discussion tonight about two main topics that uh, have been uh, surfacing a lot, I think, over the past uh, little while Something certainly that I have covered, uh, both of these topics, and I uh, brought someone on here who has also been covering these topics, maybe from another perspective. Um, and if people had tuned into the last uh, Bigger Picture, and if you haven't listened to that episode, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it before perhaps you listen to this, if you're listening to this on a delay, Um was that I took issue with uh, my guest here, John LeBond's stance on online chilling that it, you know, from his point of view was a, a myth that has been created by people who wish to uh, popularize themselves and gain, gain an audience and stuff like that. And that there's no uh, proof whatsoever that online chilling exists and that we shouldn't waste any time talking about it. Um, so, <laughs> We're going to come and talk about that. We're also going to talk about uh, ball earth skepticism, which is something that uh, John LeBond has spent a lot of time over the past year or so uh, covering. And uh, my belief, of course, most people that have listened to my, my show enough times know that I believe that the whole flat earth thing is a psyop. And it has several different objectives, but primarily it's a way of, of ridiculing the whole sort of truth movement so that people shut down when confronted with things like 9-11 truth, uh, vaccines, stuff like that. There's a knee-jerk reaction that they want to create in the general public. So if they can portray truthers as flat earthers, then they get that perfect knee-jerk reaction. Also, it's a great way to divide and conquer within the truth movement and get people off discussing things that uh, are, frankly, rather silly in my perspective, my point of view. Um, so I want to start off tonight. I mean, we're going to try to uh, do this in a very civil way. I'm not here to uh, assassinate or crucify John LeBon. I've been, you know, pleasantly exchanging messages with him over the past week or so to set up the show. Uh, and the genesis of this was from the last bigger picture where I said on, on like the live show that if JLB was listening, that he would have my permission or I would quickly send him a link to join in the show so that he could defend his position and that we could have a good discussion and debate on it. Um, so he was, he did message me late in the show when we were already about halfway through our Sandy Hook chat. So it wasn't a good time for him to come on. Uh, so I agreed that we would do this later. And, uh, because of his busy schedule and mine, we, uh, eventually settled on tonight to do this. So I'm happy that he's here. I hope he'll be back in a minute <laughs> to, uh, say hello to everyone so that I can kick this off. Are you there, John? 
Yeah, I'm here. Yep. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. Welcome to the show. Do you want to say hello to everyone? Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having us on the show, Jeffrey. Hello to all of the listeners. I think this show tonight could be uh, quite a lot of fun, and I've been looking forward to it. So I'll let you continue your introduction there, Jeffrey. I'll put myself on mute. And uh, just let me know when you're ready for my introduction, and then I'll get cracking. Yeah, what we're going to do essentially, and and John agreed to this, is we're going to have a sort of 10 to 15-minute intro. Um, I'll start on this topic, and then on the second topic, I'll give John the lead. Uh, So the first topic is going to be on online shilling, and then the second half of the show, we will get into the ball or skepticism. Now, um, so what I'm going to do right now is discuss my perspective leading into this. Now, I'm looking at the time right now. It's it's almost 6.40, so I'm going to try to go to about 6.50, maybe a little bit over. You know me. I like to talk a lot. So if I do go over, just, John, send me a a, a quick little message on Skype, and and then I can uh, rein in my time sort of thing. Anyway, so uh, someone like myself is uniquely privileged to uh, take on what John LeBond's challenge was. And his challenge, if you haven't seen it, on his video, uh, which is on John LeBond Extra, was a challenge out to truthers to prove the existence of online shells. And I think that I might be, I mean, John kind of lucked out here, I might actually be one of the best in the world, or at least be in the position to really answer this, to really give uh, uh, an incredibly unique perspective, because I have been doing this type of work for about four years now. It will be four years in April. So let's just say four years, round it off. And in that time, I've covered some of the biggest psyops, media psyops that have occurred, including things like Sandy Hook. I was right on board with uh, Sandy Hook hoax from pretty much from day one. And uh, Boston and so many other things that came after the Ebola, PSYOP, Ottawa, all these huge PSYOPs that have been carried out. And I have been shilled to high heaven. (laughs) I can't even begin to describe how much uh, I've been targeted by government shills, online shills, what we call paid shills. Very important for people to understand what a paid shill is. It's basically someone who is paid to push a certain point of view uh, online and that they're not really there for their own sort of honest opinion, that they're actually doing work for either a corporation or a government to spread disinfo, to infiltrate, to attack people. And I think I really showed this in the first uh, video that I did on this or the first uh, bigger picture that I devoted to this last week where I showed how... um, People are recruited for these types of jobs and how prevalent it is. Um, I also made numerous mentions in previous videos dealing with Cass Sunstein and really, really showed how important it is. Information throughout history has always been crucial. The media, ever since it's been around, has always been controlled by some network or another, some uh, government or corporation. And we know that uh, historically, you know, if you look back in events, even in American history, you could talk about, uh, for instance, in the 1950s, the House of Un-American Activities, 
uh, how uh, people were being spied upon, how groups were being infiltrated. Um, and if you look throughout history, I mean, whether it's Stalin, whether it was uh, uh, Goebbels under uh, Adolf Hitler in the Nazi regime, whether it's Pol Pot, I mean, there's just so many examples of how important information is and how the flow of information is crucial. Now, when we think about today, we think about this one world government. I mean, that's why I'm here. And I don't necessarily uh, hate the idea of a one world government. I just hate the secrecy and the lies that accompany it, because I know that eventually that's probably what we're we're going to head towards anyways. It's just the methods that are being used to bring about this one world government are very nefarious and have me very concerned. I recently watched a film, uh, probably I'm hoping some of you have seen, called Spectre, which was a uh, uh, 9-11, it was a uh, James Bond movie, the latest James Bond. And in the movie, interestingly enough, they were, one of the themes was that they were combining MI5 and MI6 together. And that the traditional uh, leader of uh, MI6, which is the uh, character called M, I think it stands for minister, um, was basically losing his job. And what was happening is that a nine eyes was rising up, nine eyes representing nine countries. Now, you probably heard of five eyes. You probably heard me say the six eyes because the five eyes traditionally are Great Britain, Canada, United States, New Zealand, and Australia. But I think you cannot go anywhere without throwing Israel in the bunch. And then you could probably throw a lot more countries in that uh, mix as well. So I found the movie, and I tend to cover this in an upcoming video, was very, very interesting because the confrontation between the leader of this Nine Eyes, which is the most powerful surveillance network as advertised in the film that has ever been created, was so much more powerful than the traditional forms of intelligence, whether using agents and stuff like that. So that's why they were eliminating the 007 program and characters that we were familiar with in the movies were, were losing their job, essentially. Um, and of course, what happened in the film was it turns out that the people that were behind the Nine Eyes were actually working in cahoots with the uh, villains, which is Spectre, the massive... Um, global sort of uh, uh, espionage, and I don't, I don't even know what the acronym stands for, special, uh, I can't remember it, but I won't try to go there. But anyways, the whole idea in the film was that the surveillance state was taking over everything, and that old surveillance, old forms of gathering information were being put to rest. And at one point, the leader of this Nine Eyes was saying to the MI6 boss, that we even know what you had for breakfast. And then he would even play back conversations, private conversations that this minister had had with his employees right in front of him saying, we record everything. Now we know from everything that's been leaked over the past five years, I'd say, dealing with Edward Snowden, the, the leaks dealing with the GCHQ, we know about the NSA CSEC, the equivalent here in Canada, and how they are collecting information on everything, everything that is out there. They are trying to record every phone call that they can. They are, you know, obviously recording everything that they, anybody that they're watching, they're trying to collect as much information 
as possible because information is power in this new world order. And therefore, the notion that people that take to the internet to try to expose this one world government that is forming right before our eyes, um, the notion that this one world government would have no concern whatsoever about a truth movement, to me, is beyond folly. Uh, if they are concerned about anything, it's about the flow of information and controlling that flow of information. And one of the most dangerous things about truthers in general is that we counteract that flow of information. We question it. We, we rip it down. We analyze it. We break it down. We try to expose it. This runs counter to their corporate media. The corporate media is the vehicle which they are using to program people into accepting this one world, new world order that they are bringing. So when you come out like myself and you make it a mission, your sort of um, whole goal is to expose, at least it is in my case, the lies and manipulations of the corporate media, then it's obvious that I will, or people like myself, will become massively targeted um, by the shills that this new world order employs. And I think that what we've seen and people that have followed me long enough is a massive trail of censorship and attacks. There is well over a thousand videos that have been made about me on YouTube. I know I say that a lot, but I tried to get the, the uh, message across to people who are engaging in this type of, of work, maybe for the first time that you have to take steps to protect yourself because they will use anything that they can get on you. Now, I know many Sandy Hook truthers that have been harassed, including myself, many times. Their family members, um, their employers have been contacted. They've lost their jobs. They have tried to ruin the reputations of people who are questioning these events as portrayed by the corporate media. And they are ruthless in their methods. Absolutely ruthless. This I can say firsthand with all uh, the bevy of experience I have in doing this type of work, I can tell you that shilling is as real <laughs> as anything in this world. It is all over the internet. Now, it's not only governments that hire agents to come on and shill. It's also corporations. In fact, corporation shilling is massive as well. And there's so many examples of this. This is all over. Even the corporate media admits that this kind of stuff goes on. So I can give so many examples here to uh, Mr. Laban uh, if he needs them uh, later on when we're uh, duking it out back and forth. But basically what I wanted to say dealing with this is that my experience of, of being online and being a truther has been one that has been rife with online shilling. It is all around me, no matter what I do. That's why the chat is disabled right now. Because last week I made the mistake, I completely forgot to disable the chat and it was just shilled. Now, trolling, you know, some people just come on and they troll and that's just to get a rise out of you. So you have to kind of differentiate between the two. But make no mistake, the government is very concerned about their psyops being exposed and I think in many ways, they are really, really watching us. And I've shown this over the years. I've covered this so many times, these meetings that they have, these high 
uh, class sort of meetings that they, uh, you know, clandestinely plan and, and carry out in places like Israel, in France, um, you know, where they talk about online information and the importance of, you know, being able to control the internet. We go back to 2010, which I reference a lot. A, uh, this is a big new Brzezinski speech that he gave here in Montreal where he talked about the awakening and how humanity has never had anything to parallel this in history and that it was of great concern to the New World Order that um, this type of awakening was happening and that they had to be proactive. Now, Cash Sunstein himself is, I mean, he's best known as the information czar for the Obama administration. And Cass Sunstein was basically, now his position in the Obama administration was he was the administrator of Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs. So his basic job was to look at the internet and decide how to counteract the flow of information. Cass Sunstein released a book as well dealing with this, talking about how conspiracy theorists were extremely dangerous and that they had to be very proactive in how to go after them. He recommended that they had massive cognitive infiltration into truth movements and that they use all these methods of shaming uh, people and releasing their public information. He was even in favor of putting truthers essentially in prison, uh, 9-11 truthers and stuff like that, because he viewed that their uh, their uh, perspectives on the New World Order psyops were dangerous and that they could lead to rebellion and stuff like that. So he his job was to <laughs> to regulate the Internet essentially for the Obama administration. And he's likely going to be nominated to the Supreme Court as well to show you how much power this person has. You can see many interviews and you can see the segment, which I've shown many times, where he is confronted by Luke Radowski of We Are Change about his methods and how he, you know, advocated this type of, of belligerent government shilling to occur and that people should be shamed and, and use all these different methods to try to infiltrate cognitively into truth or movements. And so this goes on and on. There are so many different examples that I could give to prove without a doubt that this type of cognitive infiltration is occurring and that the truther movement is rife with shilling. And it's something that I think that all the listeners that are out there that are tuning into the show, hopefully maybe even for the first time, uh, really digest this and understand it and take the steps necessary to protect themselves. I do not want to have to spend half my time or a quarter of my time or much of the near future talking about this because, you know, um, I it's a bit of a, a, a dead horse with me of beating it to death. Um, but nonetheless, when someone like John LeBon comes out and puts out a video saying that there's absolutely no proof whatsoever that government shills even exist, and that this is essentially a method for people to gain an audience and to um, for lower intelligent people to take part in truthing because it's, it appeals to the lowest common denominator. And I say that's all hogwash. Uh, this is going on big time. 
and that we all need to be very, very aware of it. So with that being said, I think I've taken about 12 to, I don't know, 12, 13 minutes here. I'm going to stop with that, and I'm going to give my guest a chance to reiterate here. So, John, are you there? Yes, I am. Am I coming through loud and clear? Yes, you are. And, Excellent. Uh, All right. Well, thank you, Jeffrey, for the platform. I'll probably take a little bit less time than you. I think that was about 15 minutes, but that's fair. We did agree yep. before the show to give each other some chance to uh, express ourselves at the start, have an introduction, and let people know what we thought. So I think that's a good way to run the show. Now, as for me, there's just a few things that I want to touch on in the introduction, and then we can get into more questions as we go along. But I'll start off by pointing out that Aristotle, if you believe he existed, is quoted as saying that it's the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain an idea without accepting it. And I'm just hoping that those of you who followed Jeffrey's work for a long time and have heard him constantly saying that I'm a paid shill or that I talk about things that are crazy or whatever, I would hope that you'd spend the next hour or two allowing yourself just to listen to what's said and to analyse what's said rather than judging who's saying it. Now, a couple of things I'll touch on very quickly. The background with Jeffrey and myself is not something that I plan to go into in today's show because we've only got a couple of hours and I would really prefer to spend our time looking at the empirical objective evidence that can be discussed rather than the personalities. And those of you who've been following my channel for a while will know that this has been my philosophy for a long time, that ultimately, if it's the truth that we're concerned about, it's the empirical objective information that's important, not the personalities. Now, there is a large uh, background or, or backstory to the whole JLB and Jeffrey thing. And I will say, and many of you already know this, that one of the reasons I got into all of this about 18 months ago was because of Jeff's channel, because of Free Radio Revolution. And I was a big fan at the time. He was one of my inspirations to get into doing this kind of work. And I never could have known where it was all going to go. But I started off as a big fan of Jeffrey. And a lot of what he just said in his introduction is stuff that I actually used to believe. And over the next couple of hours, I'll explain why I no longer do. But the point is to say this, that obviously over the last week or two, Jeffrey has had a few uh, videos, an entire podcast dedicating to attacking my character. That doesn't bother me as much as it bothers other people. And one of the things that have been used against me, people have used as a way to attack him, is to say, well, how could John be a real person? He never gets upset when people attack him. How come he doesn't come out and lash out at people and well, that's just because that's not the kind of person I am. It's never been the kind of person I am. And perhaps later on today, if I do an after show, I'll explain more about myself because it's on my channel and I can do that freely. But suffice to say that for those of you who are wondering why I'm here on Jeffrey's channel a week after he spent two hours saying that I'm a paid chill, well, the answer is because he was kind enough to invite me to come here today. And I think that was the right thing of him to do that. I've taken him up on the offer and I'm planning today just to spend a couple of hours having what I hope will be a gentlemanly chat with Jeffrey and I don't hold any grudges. I never do. So that's the story there. Now, the next thing I want to touch on is this idea of false dichotomies. Now, most of you are familiar with the idea of false dichotomies. In whatever country you live in, there's a good chance there's a false dichotomy that's given to you with your political system. So in my country, that's Labor versus Liberal. If you're in the US, that's the Republicans versus Democrats. In Britain, that's the Tories versus Labor. The false dichotomy. You give people two shit options make them think that they have to choose one, and then they'll fight over those two options. Well, you can just sit back and laugh, and that's exactly what's happening, but not just with politics, but with many things. And I think by the end of this two hours, if you haven't already been exposed to this idea, you might learn that there's a false dichotomy going on between what we call religion and what we call science. There's also a false dichotomy going on between what we call 
the flat earth theory and what I call the spinning ball earth theory. There are false dichotomies everywhere. And it's amazing to me to see people who know that politics is all about false dichotomies fall into false dichotomies with other topics. We'll get into more of that soon. The next thing I want to talk about is skepticism. What is skepticism? Well, it's a method, it's an art form, it's a philosophy, it's a worldview. You can call it whatever you like, but skepticism is simply about saying, I'm not going to believe something unless you can give me sound reasoning and sound evidence. Now, when I first got into the, the so-called truth community, the hoax-busting community at the time, one of the things that I found fascinating about it was that it applied a level of skepticism to the corporate media that you don't see elsewhere, okay? So the corporate media and the government are saying that there was a school shooting here or a theatre shooting there or a bombing at this marathon, and most people just take that on face value. They take it for granted. But the then so-called truth community was saying, well, hold on, what's the evidence? What evidence is there that 20 children died? What is there that some guy with orange hair went around shooting people? What evidence is there that a couple of brothers had a, a bomb or a couple of bombs and killed hundreds of people? What's the evidence? Not saying it's definitely wrong to start with, just saying let's look at the evidence. And, of course, as we all know, once you look at the evidence, those stories are complete hogwash. Well, a lot of people got stuck in that frame of reference, just looking at the media events to do with shootings and these things. But for me, over time, I developed my skepticism and I took it to other places. I found websites like Fakeologist where they apply their skepticism to things like nuclear bombs. Now, a lot of people are certain that nuclear bombs exist, but they've got no more evidence that they exist than people who think that the shooting hoaxes are real. You see, it still comes from the media, still comes from the government. Now, nuclear bombs could be real. We're not going to probably discuss that today. But my point is simply to say that once you know what skepticism is and once you begin to value that as part of your life, you can apply it to any of the claims coming from media and government. And what you find is that if you take the time to look into their evidence for their claims, if you take the time to look into how much evidence is there, the stories that I've been given from the news and from the government and from school, how much actual evidence is there, how much empirical evidence is there, how much documented history is there. And it's amazing and it's actually quite a journey to go through the process of going to a library, borrowing books, say, from World War II, finding out what was being written about World War II at the time of World War II. And what's amazing is that this information is all there but the vast majority of people, even within the so-called truth community, they never go to the library and borrow books. They never do their own investigation. They're not really here for research. And that's why with me, especially on my backup channel over the last couple of months, I've been taking this skepticism to another level. I've been saying, hey, guys, if you don't like what I've got to say, unsubscribe. But I'm going to challenge you for your evidence about everything. And it turns out that most people, they'll get stuck somewhere. They'll get stuck at the shooting hoaxes, and that's all they'll be skeptical about. The rest of what the news tells them, they'll believe it. Then some people go a little bit further. They'll start questioning things like nuclear bombs. They'll say, yeah, you know what? It is a bit weird that when you look at the footage of nuclear bombs, it seems to be completely fabricated. You look at the evidence for, for nuclear bombs. We've never been given any. You look at the official story of how nuclear bombs were developed. Oh, turns out it's actually quite a dodgy story. So people start looking into that, but then that's as far as they go. And then other people, and with every level of this uh, journey, there's less and less people who are making it to the next level. The next level is to say, well, hold on. How much do we actually know about history? And over the coming uh, weeks and months, I've got plenty of videos lined up on my channel that's going to discuss this idea of how much do we really know about history? But all of this is simply to say that one of the reasons why people seem to get upset by my work is because most people believe in something and the skeptic comes along and says, why do you believe in that? And one of the most damaging things for someone's psychology, especially if they're egotistical, is when someone says, yeah, that thing that you believe, why do you believe it? And then when they give a terrible answer or poor reasoning or evidence, you say, yeah, but that's not really good evidence or reasoning, is it? And people can get very upset by that. 
because beliefs are so important to people. We'll talk more about that later in the show. I'll wrap this introduction up soon. One more point with skepticism, it leads into the scientific method versus science. Now, many people think that they're the same thing, but they're not. The scientific method is all about making observations and hypotheses, falsifiable predictions, coming up with theories. It's meant to be based on evidence and it's meant to be falsifiable, at least according to Karl Popper, who is credited as introducing this idea of falsifiability. If you tell me that you've got a scientific idea, but I can't falsify it, then it's not really science, not in the true sense of the word. And I put to you that a lot of what we're taught about science at school and by TV, it doesn't actually accord with the scientific method. I'll explain more on that later. But the point here is to say a lot of people think that science and the scientific method are the same things. They're not. Science, as it's taught, is really, with a capital S, more like a religion. And if you ask the average person, why do you believe that? And they say science, and you start challenging them further, very quickly you'll realize it's actually faith. There's no actual scientific method going on. There's no scientific rigor. The average person who believes all kinds of things that they're told by science, they believe it with the same faith as the person down at your local church who believes the Bible to be literally true. And in fact, what's fascinating is sometimes when you ask people for their evidence, they'll start pointing to books. They'll say, well, of course we know that this object floats around this this object. We know it. It's in a book. They sound just like Bible literalists because that's what a lot of science devotees are. They're faith-based believers. And again, they're not going to like skeptics like me. And of course, with me, I'm upsetting people from all different sides of these false dichotomies. With one very good example, we'll get more into this later. On one side, you've got people who are certain they live on a spinning ball earth, but I point out their arguments and their evidence isn't that good. On the other side, you've got people who are certain we live on a flat earth. I point out that their arguments and evidence isn't so good, and they attack me too. So I'm getting attacked by all sides, and I'm used to it. But one thing I don't believe is that these people are paid shills. They're just people who truly believe in their worldview. Someone like me upsets them. They post a few nasty comments, or they make some nasty videos, or whatever. Doesn't mean that they're paid shills. Doesn't mean that anyone's coming to get me. And we'll get into a discussion about this in just a moment. But my basic response to what Jeffrey was saying is that he's claiming that I said there's absolutely no proof of government paid shills. I've never said that. What I've said is, what is your evidence that they exist? Because I used to believe this back when I used to listen to Jeffrey and believe everything he said, or believe most of what he said anyhow. I used to buy into this idea of there are paid shills everywhere out to get us. And it's just something that I never really questioned. But what I found is, as I've been questioning it more and more, people don't actually have that much evidence. And I think there's a lot of people out there, they enjoy believing that there are paid shills out there because it makes them think that what they're doing online is more important than it is. This idea of, oh, I'm spreading truth on the internet and the government really cares about me and they're watching us, it makes us, it can make us think that what we're doing is far more important than it is. But ultimately, what we're talking about here, I mean, myself and Jeffrey having this discussion today, it might get 5,000 views, it might get 10,000 views. That'd be terrific and I appreciate everyone taking the time to listen. But at the end of the day, this is a tiny little corner of the internet and if you think that what you're saying is so important that there's people paid to listen to everything you're doing, then it might be worth taking a step back and questioning, am I displaying or am I demonstrating behaviours that are consistent with paranoia? Am I, am I actually playing out the stereotype that the masses are given by television about how all people who talk about truth are paranoid someone's coming to get them? Because like I said, I used to kind of believe, well, not kind of believe, I did believe there were paid shields on YouTube. In fact, the person whose channel I'm on right now, six months ago, I was absolutely certain that he was probably a paid shill. I was certain that of all the people on YouTube, Jeffrey was the one who had the most uh, characteristics of a paid show. I actually believe that. And yet I sit here six months later and I think more than likely Jeffrey is just some guy in Canada 
learn about a few shooting hoaxes. He's good at speaking, good at presenting his views. He's very likable, very charismatic. He found some success doing a YouTube channel. Next thing you know, he's the big king daddy of uh, Sandy Hook and Boston bombings and these kinds of things. Then when some of his flocks start looking at other things like the shape of the earth or events that he thinks are real, he didn't like it. It didn't help his ego. That's why he got upset. A lot of people will say, oh, but no, Jeffrey's acting this way. He's trying to divide the community because he's paid to do it. Of course, that's possible. That's what I used to believe. But now I think he's just a regular guy with different views to me. And that's why I don't treat him as an enemy, even when he treats me as one. Now, that's all I've got to say for today. I've got a lot more things that I want to cover. But as an introduction, I think that's enough. So with all of that said, Jeffrey, I'll hand back to you and we can get this discussion uh, rolling. How's that sound? Uh, that sounds uh, very good, John. Thank you very much for that. Um, no, I do not see ever seeing John as an enemy um, at all. Uh, I see him more as a, a nemesis, I guess you could say. And I've had a lot of them doing this type of work. And I, I think that you lucked out because your whole presentation on the uh, denial that, you know, Internet shills exist is, is I'm the perfect person to to answer those questions because of my experience. Now, when you simplify things by saying that I'm just a guy that uh, stumbled online and, you know, uh, d- you know, did a few shooting hoaxes, I have covered everything. I mean, I have covered so many different things. So I'm definitely 100% not a one trick pony when it comes to doing this type of work, nor do I limit myself. And I find it deeply ironic that somebody makes those types of accusations who, if you look a quick glance on his main channel, is been talking about bald earth skepticism for uh, basically the last year or so, and not much else other than dinosaur hoax and maybe Transasia. Um, so it's it's <laughs> it's a little bit ironic that that critique is coming from you, but I'm not surprised. Um, my belief, and I've made it clear, is that I, I do believe that uh, JLB is a cognitive infiltrator. And I came down with that belief during the Transasia PSYOP, which John doesn't want to discuss. Um, he has often said many times that I have dodged him on discussing that. And I said, oh, no problem. Hey, let's talk about that tonight. And he said he had no interest whatsoever in discussing that, which makes perfect sense because that was a real event that was pushed as a fake event, as a PSYOP to lure in the uh, ignorance, I guess you could say, of the truth movement. And the way that I see it, how it works is they've come up with all kinds of strategies. Obviously, many of the strategies that are outlined in the documents that Snowden released, uh, dealing with the GCHQ, the jet rig, all this, how they're going to divide people up, how they're going to focus on leaders, how they were going to infiltrate the truth movement with all kinds of, of stupidity and um, basically try to soil people's reputations and, you know, use whatever they can get to uh, attack people with. It all plays out right in front of me. I mean, you can look at those documents, which are numerous. There's so many of them. I could show them. I could bring them up. I've got many of them already up in front of me. And um, I find it deeply ironic that somebody who is best known for pushing flat earth and dinosaurs are a hoax and also thinks that nukes are a hoax is coming on to a show like this and trying to defend his point of view that online shills is just a myth and it was just made up by people like myself because we want to feel like we're actually doing something important. 
um, when we are essentially the front line when it comes to taking on the corporate media and exposing the lies of this new world order. And when you think about it, he likes to simplify it by saying, well, it's a little dark corner. And if you actually think that the government would care or government shills or online shills would care about your little dark corner, I find that really funny too, because if you think about it, where else would they go? If they're coming on YouTube, I've said this many times, what do you think they're going to do? You think they're going to go into video game uh, circles? Do you think they're going to go into celebrity, uh, Kim Kardashian type video circles? You think they're going to go into sports areas? Do you think they're going to go into music videos? And it's not that they don't go into those areas. It's just that they're obviously their biggest concern are those who are, you know, directly, uh, directly threatening their, you know, propaganda, essentially directly challenging all the material that they're releasing. Now, there's many things that I, I want to say, or I'm hoping this discussion will go back and forth. I'll let John come back on that right now. John, go ahead. Yeah, thanks for that. So there's a couple of things that you've brought up there. One of them is that my channel is all about baller skepticism. Now, certainly last year, especially in the middle of last year, I did dedicate a lot of time to that topic because it was a topic that did fascinate me. And clearly at the time, other people were interested as well. So I, I'm quite happy and quite proud of the work that I did looking into my baller skepticism. And I know that we can discuss that in more detail soon, but it is true. I did spend a lot of time on that topic last year, but it's not true that that's all I've looked at. In fact, just in the last few months, if you look at my channel, I've covered things like vaccinations and the vaccination agenda. And I didn't just cover it and say, all oh, vaccines are bad, but I showed the raw data. I went and did hours and hours of research showing how they are lying to us about vaccinations and how there's a big media agenda to hoodwink the average person into believing that without vaccinations, children are unsafe. This is a very important topic. And I'm one of the few people who I know of has actually said, let's look at the empirical data and make videos about it. That's just one topic. Obviously, I've also spent plenty of time looking at things like the no planes on 9-11 theory, the diner fraud, the nuclear bomb hoax, NASA fakery, historical Australian hoaxes like the 86 bombings, and of course, cultural Marxism and the Jewish influence in cultural Marxism. The way that over just the, the course of two or three generations, we've gone from a certain type of society and a certain type of uh, makeup of the family in it to something completely different in the way that the Frankfurt School has been involved in that. So I've covered a wide range of topics. And so to say that I've only covered one is, I think, very disingenuous. Whether or not you believe that to be true, Jeffrey, it's just not backed up by the facts. Now, talking about TransAsia, six months ago, you were on the Sunday Sessions 13. Uh, this was about June or July of last year when I'd been doing my Sunday night show because in the past I did the ARP in the, in the early afternoon on a Sunday and then I did the Sunday sessions, which is more of like a fun, have a chat, have a drink, just talk about anything show in the evening. And having held my peace and been relatively quiet for months following the attacks on me after TransAsia, finally I said, well, people keep asking me what actually happened. Here's my take on what happened. And so we started talking about that for a couple of hours. Out of nowhere, I get a Skype message from my old mate Jeffrey saying, I want to join the show. And I said, sure, we've been talking about you. You've got every right to join. And we gave you pretty much an open platform to talk about whatever you wanted to talk about. And on that show, you actually said that it was a waste of time to talk about TransAsia. And that was more than six months ago. So then when you come along in the last few days and say you want to talk about TransAsia again, I say, well, firstly, it was an event that happened 12 months ago. There's much more important things happening then and much more important things happening now. Why would I want to talk about it now? And why do you want to talk about it now? When you said yourself, Jeffrey, and I can find a copy of this and upload it 
you said six months ago, Jeff, uh, that uh, TransAsia was a waste of time. Because it was, it was a huge waste of time. Months and months were wasted on that silly event. And still people want to talk about it. It's just nonsense. I think what's far more important than any of these fake media events, whether it's a fake shooting or a fake plane crash or whatever, there's far more important things going on. Things like history, what we're taught about history. Things like today, what we're taught about today. The reality is that most people today, at least in our countries, truly believes that they live on a giant spinning ball that used to be inhabited by giant lizard birds that were wiped out by a comet or a media 66 million years ago. Just uh, thank you, Jeffrey. Yeah, like I was saying, giant spinning ball, giant lizard birds. Uh, They believe that they come from primordial soup, that they evolved from monkeys or monkey-like creatures. And they also believe that they're composed of more than 99% empty space because they're made up of these things called atoms that you can't see, none of us can see. But these things are mostly empty space. And so the average person believes all of these things. Now, they might be true, and we can talk about some of them in this show. But the point is that people believe all of these things. Surely these are things that are worth investigating and talking about. Whereas the fake news stories, we know the news lies. We know they can lie. We know they're going to get away with it. We know they're going to keep doing it. Eventually, you feel like it's time to move on from that. And that's what I did with the hoax busting community. I, I decided it was time for me to move on. It wasn't that interesting to me anymore. And it seemed to me like you, Jeffrey, because you were the king of the hoax busting community, when other people said, you know what, there's other topics that are more important, I think that really upset you because you realized that either you had to go along too and start to expand your own horizons and look at broader things than the shooting hoaxes, or you were going to be left behind. And at the time, like I said, six months ago, I thought the reason why you were acting the way that you did was because you were paid to divide the community. I used to believe there was a community. Now I realize there is no such thing as a truth community. There's just a whole bunch of people. Some of them have similar interests. Some of them do research and make videos. Some of them collaborate. But there's no community. I don't think you were sent here or paid to come and divide the community, firstly, because it doesn't exist. But secondly, they don't need to pay anyone to do it. I think people just naturally find a place where they feel comfortable. They feel like they're in charge. They feel like they're the king. When things don't go well, ego can get to them. You get the vision. You're not the only one who's guilty of this. Everyone's been guilty of it to some extent, attacking this person, attacking that person. Why would they need to send people and pay people to come and divide this place when we're so good at doing it all by ourselves? What say you? (laughs) Oh, my word. Well, that's exactly what TransAsia was. It was a real event that the shills who were paid to come in and infiltrate pushed as a fake event and then tried to use to destroy my reputation because I had the balls to stand against, you know, and, and of course, instantly, if I wanted to be the most popular truther, I would be putting up NASA hoax videos. I'd be putting up uh, flat earth videos. I'd be putting up the only truth is Jesus. I'd be put, playing all the different fields that are out there and trying to maximize my audience. But since I am here for the truth, I don't waste time with crap. And when I get dragged into wasting time, like I did with uh, uh, the TransAsia uh, shill operation, then I get uh, rather irate. I get pretty pissed off because it was a massive colossal waste of everyone's time. And it was people like yourself that created that whole meme and perpetrated it and wanted it to fester into something that it obviously did. And many people would say, well, that split the YouTube truth community. And it did but it split it in a good way because it showed those who actually have the ability to think for themselves against those who auto hoax and don't do any research and those who just love to come in and divide and conquer everything. And I think that's one of the main methods 
of this cognitive infiltration is to come in and to push absolutely ludicrous things like the flat earth here in 2016 of all time, the dino hoax, things like that. I love the way that you use language. I mean, it's obvious that semantics are very important to you. So I think we're going to get into that in the second half of the discussion. But um, what I wanted to get back to essentially is your most ludicrous video that you've put up on your John LeBond uh, channel. You actually said at one point to quote you that um, if you paid me to disrupt any so-called truth movement, my primary strategy would be to encourage prominent voices to waste their time speculating on who or what not may be a paid shill. If you offered me enough money, I might even be tempted to do it. The added bonus uh, is that I would help me separate the critical thinking elite from the fundamentally programmed chaff. Uh, I found that to be a very interesting uh, quote from you because it seems like that you would definitely entertain the idea of being an online chill if the money was good enough. And that's something that... Um, I find absolutely reprehensible, and uh, I don't know how you can possibly dance around that. Now, what we're here to talk about right at this moment is your complete denial that online shills exist. So are you actually telling the audience that is out there that the New World Order, the most powerful Orwellian government, the One World Government, the Shadow Government, whatever you want to call them, who are trying to manipulate mankind, into creating this one world government with a one world currency, with a, a, a severe population reduction. Um, and when we see the massive sort of uh, tentacles of this one world government, where you have maybe five or six major corporations in North America that control all the media, aside, of course, from smaller outlets like myself, which is completely volunteer, um, that none of these corporations or this Bilderberg group or all these different networks that get together um, would care at all about what the only people that are trying to counter their propaganda, the only people that are trying to expose what they are up to. You gave an example of how you've been covering vaccinations, which, I mean, you know, you, you might have a video here and there on something else, but anybody that doubts what I said about uh, John LeBon being completely obsessed with baller skepticism and, and dino hoax can just go to his channel and look at the videos that yourself and you will see instantly what this uh, character is all about. So uh, with that being said, you have taken and you have challenged people to provide any evidence because none exists, of course, according to your video that online shills exist. Do you really believe that all right so a couple of responses firstly you mentioned what i said in a recent video about paid shills and uh you were, you were pretty much right with the quote i think you said elite what i said was sort the wheat from the chaff not the elite from the chaff sort okay. the wheat from the chaff and right. that's what but other than that other than that your quote was pretty much right and i did say that and i stand by that what i was saying was that if you wanted if you actually were going to infiltrate the community the so the so-called community and you're going to try to disrupt it or distract it or divide it, what you would do is you would try and ferment, you'd try and foster a focus on personalities rather than information. And you mm -hmm. would encourage people to do one-hour, two-hour podcasts attacking one another, not focus on the, on the actual information, but focusing on personalities. It's classic divide and conquer. It goes back to what I was saying before about the false dichotomies. 
get people to start cheering for this guy or for this guy or for this girl, get them to argue with each other about who's correct rather than look at the actual information that's like fundamentally important. That would be what I would do. I think that'd be the best strategy is just try and encourage people to talk about personalities rather than information and to attack one another rather than to sit down and calmly discuss things. That's what I would do if you paid me to try and disrupt the community. And I used to believe there was a community. I used to really believe in it. Before TransAsia, for those who've been following my channel who might not be familiar with this, before TransAsia, which happened in, what, February of 2015, so about a year ago, prior to that, the so-called host-busting community, it was growing and it was fun to be a part of. It was truly fun. We will do it live, which used to be hosted by Jeffrey and really used to be Jeffrey's show. The panel were really just ornaments for his show, but it was a fun show. It was fun to watch. I was lucky enough to be invited on it a couple of times. And at the time, the numbers were growing. It was started off with like 100 live viewers. Then it got to 150. Obviously, Red Pill was on the show as well. So he brought a big audience. And there were episodes, I think it got up to almost 400 live listeners. And it seems to be growing every week. And people were making their own videos. And there was a guy called Planetary Mirror. He even made a website called um, Hoaxopedia. There was a, a New Year's Eve special where um, we all just sat around and, and, and a few of us had a few drinks and just laughed and the golden sheeples. And it was, it was so easy to believe that this was a real community and that it was growing and that it was going to make a difference. I, I really did buy into all of that. And what I'm saying now is I don't think there is a community. Most of what we saw back then was just a facade. The vast majority of people who got involved had no interest in ever doing any research, ever improving themselves as people. It was all just fun. And I would argue even this chat that you're, you and I are having right now, Jeffrey, most people who are going to watch this, this is just entertainment for them. They're not actually interested in doing their own research. I can say, hey, go and check out this bit of evidence that will prove something to you. Most of them aren't going to go and check it. You can say, hey, go and check out this uh, article talking about the GCHQ. Most of them aren't going to go and check it. They'll just believe what they want to believe. This is for most of them, not for all of them. And then after they listen to us for two hours, they'll go about their day. It doesn't make a difference to them. I, I believe, honestly that it's something in the order of 1% of any given video that you see. You see a video with 5,000 views in the order of magnitude of 1%. So maybe 50, maybe 100 people who've watched that video are going to watch it, do their own research and synthesize an idea. The vast majority of the viewers, and this isn't just your channel, this is my channel as well, and all of the channels involved in this kind of work, the vast majority of the views, it's just entertainment. They're people who've worked out that the TV is either boring or lying to them, and YouTube gives them something else to do to pass their time. But... They've got no interest in truth and you can't have a real truth community when the vast majority of people who are here aren't really interested enough in the truth to do their own research. Now, you've said that you think that I'm a paid cognitive infiltrator and you think there are all these paid infiltrators and that I've denied them. I'm not denying them. I'm saying I don't know if they're here. Anything's possible. But what's the evidence? This is what skeptics do. This is what all people should do. All people should say, hey, I'll believe anything if you can prove it to me. Now, if you can prove to me there are people on YouTube with 2,000 subscribers and you first started accusing me when I had 700 subscribers, that's a very small channel. If you can prove to me there are people with channels that small who are getting paid money by anybody, I'll be happy to look at your evidence. But it seems to me to be a pretty absurd notion. Yeah, I I don't... uh, uh, I'm not going to point out particular channels and stuff like that. I do agree with you on the, the community thing, actually. I think we see eye to eye on that. Um, although my sort of viewpoint is, is a little different, um, there can be no community whatsoever in truth movements. And I strongly uh, urge people out there listening not to over-socialize in truth videos, not to develop relationships because you, ju- you simply do not know who uh, uh, these people are. 
and uh, a tactic of online chilling would be to throw accolades around to show up in video after video and tell people how great they are in order to gain their trust. And then next thing you know, they're in, you're in their circles and uh, you can spread the disinfo and divide and conquer sort of thing. So I think that people really have to be aware of that. And I think in many ways, what happened with TransAsia was actually a really good thing because it, it, it exposed, you know, a lot of the problems that exist within the truth community. One of them being that auto hoaxing and stuff like that, people not doing the research um, I did uh, weeks of research on TransAsia. That's why I'm so comfortable to debate that uh, particular uh, event with, with anyone that is out there. But, of course, I'm going to waste my time. But I did offer it to you only because you have said many times in the past that I dodged you on that debate, which I, you know, I at the time, of course, I was very stressed out and I realized that I needed a break. So we, you know, we never got to have that discussion, but you wanted two weeks to prepare. And we, since then, I have said, I'd be happy to discuss it with you, but you have said that you have no interest. So um, we'll leave it at that, dealing with that particular sort of thing. Now, when you talk about only 1% of people that actually show up in videos that are, you know, here to actually, you know, because they want to learn the truth, because they want to go and do the own their own research and somehow contribute, I think you just insulted 99% of the people listening to this podcast. I don't believe that for a second. Um, I think that there's far more enjoyable things to do than to turn into, say, a truth podcast like this one. Um, on say a Friday night or something, you could easily just pop in a movie or, you know, go out to the movies, go in and uh, have a good time, play some video games, whatever, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of different things that people could be doing with their time. But the fact that they come on to truth channels to watch uh, the breakdown, like for instance, someone like myself, who's primarily known for uh, exposing the corporate media, but has covered everything and any- anything you could think of, pretty much out there. Um, uh, you know, the fact that people would take their time to come to watch these videos tells me that they actually care. Now there is a percentage of those people that are doing that, that are not legit. Um, there is certainly a percentage and I can definitely <laughs> attest to that, uh, that is just here to throw shit at the screen as Chad Louie says. Um, and we've had a lot of that in the past dealing with these shows. Now, you said about uh, we'll do it live and how the show uh, took off and it was actually a lot more popular in the beginning. And we actually had uh, regularly 250, 300, uh, maybe even times over 400 people listening at once. But oddly enough, ever since I started doing shows alone, the numbers went up a lot. So uh, for instance, uh, I did a, a, a show by myself. I think Press Reset came on that show dealing with Paris and, and it has nearly 200,000 views, which is more views than all your videos put together. So we, we've actually had huge audiences turn into some of our live shows and it's kind of hit and miss because if you're talking about something that is happening live, it's usually going to bring a lot more people in rather than, you know, going over topics perhaps that you've talked, uh, covered many times before. Um, one can only watch so many flat earth videos, for instance, or flat earth podcasts before maybe they start to tune out and realize that they're being had. Now, we seem to be going away from what the discussion is supposed to be. And that would be what I would call the Delphi technique where, you know, you're, you're manipulating the conversation in order to take it away from 
the discussion of online shills and try to throw it back to a, a sort of critique of my history and the things that we've covered when really what we're here to talk about, I mean, we're going to talk about Ball Earth, obviously, uh, after this, but we are here to talk about the presence, the existence of online shills. And you have said a lot of crazy things in your video. I was, I honestly, my jaw hit the floor over and over again. I couldn't believe what you were saying, that you, you actually said that there's absolutely no evidence whatsoever that proves that flat earth, uh, flat earth, <laughs> that online shills exist. Um, do you need me to show you this stuff? Uh, have you not watched the videos that I've done exposing this? Uh, is this something that you just completely want to avoid or pretend doesn't exist? Because the evidence is absolutely overwhelming. And I could start to share my screen if that's going to help you. All right, so a few things. Firstly, you constantly accusing me of using this Delphi technique. So I'd like you in a moment to explain what exactly this Delphi technique is because apparently I'm so good at it. I'd love to know what it is that I'm good at. I heard you start talking about it. I heard our, our old friend I'm Another Aussie talk about it. I'm like, okay, let's go and look into this. And from what I can tell, it, there's well, you explain to me what the technique is and explain to me how I'm using it. I'd appreciate that. But before you do that, you're talking about paid shills and you keep trying to say that I'm saying that there's no paid shills out there and that is a gross misrepresentation of what I'm saying. Two points on that. Firstly, there could be paid shills. You could be a paid shill for all I know. Of course it's possible. What I'm saying is I'm not going to believe it until I see actual solid evidence. And it's not just paid shills on YouTube because we all know that, well, we know that we're told that there are universities in Israel where the children are. It's part of their, you know, training to go online and, and shill for Israel. And we've all heard stories of people getting paid to shill for products online. We've all heard those stories. And to me, of course, that's quite possible. I'm happy to go with that. But what people like you are talking about is people being paid to come onto YouTube, people to do videos and, and podcasts like you and I do, paid to come here, pretend to be truthers, so-called truthers, but to actually be putting out bad information, trying to divide, whatever. So that that's like a small subset within the overall narrative of Page Shield. So the overall narrative, sure, I'm not too interested in that. What I'm interested in is this idea that there are people on YouTube or on uh, podcasts of similar size that they're paid, that people like me who go on camera, who people like you who do three, four videos a day at, at your peak, the people like us are paid. And I'm like, that's possible too, but what's the evidence? And I've seen some of your shows, I know you've done hours and hours and hours and hours and hours talking about paid shills and how everyone should be very scared they're out to get us but it seems to me like most of the evidence that you provide the so-called evidence comes directly from the government themselves like from Cass Sunstein or from the GCHQ and then the obvious question to you would be can't you see how it's of their benefit that you see stuff like that so that you get paranoid and start accusing one another I mean it's like the old Sun Tzu quote when you're away from the enemy tell them you're near and when you're near make them think you're away They've got you believing that they're here and spending all of your time and all of your mental resources worrying about who is and who isn't a shill rather than looking at the basic information. It seems like a very clever ploy of theirs. Put a couple of articles out, get people like you believing in it and running with it, and then scaring all of your followers into believing that there's a shill under every bed. What say you? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's very interesting. Um, yeah, um, what say I? Now, uh, my word, where to begin? You know, you've got to you've got to understand that um, you know the evidence of online shilling is is all over the place, and someone like myself has experienced 
it for years. I can talk about the Honor Network, for instance. I could talk about Lenny Posner flagging dozens and dozens of my videos. I could show you screenshot after screenshot after screenshot from the Honor Network claiming videos which were perfectly legal, which were nonprofit, educational, didn't violate anything. I could show you over and again, over and over again, how they were able to take down my channel. I could even show you screenshots about them boasting about how they were able to take down my channel. You know, I mean, just my personal experience, hundreds of death uh, threats. I could show you those. I could show you the legal threats that I've gotten. I could show you all these different methods. I could spend weeks if I needed to, going over the history of all the online chilling that I alone have experienced. So when you come to me and you try to tell me that this is just a ploy that or something that you're using to get attention or it's, it's really there's no real evidence or the evidence is actually provided by the government is absolutely ridiculous. It's beyond ridiculous. You can research it yourself. Just research Cass Sunstein. This, these aren't uh, uh, corporate media. Well, there are corporate media articles on Cass Sunstein, but it's largely the alternative media that covers most of those things. You can listen to Cass Sunstein's speeches. They're all over YouTube where he actually admits to these tactics, where he actually says that we need to cognitively infiltrate these groups, that these people should actually be arrested. Now, he was in charge. He was in charge of the Internet, basically policing the Internet for the Obama administration. How much more clear cut can you get than that? And that is just one of so many examples that are out there. So there, there, there is overwhelming examples. Corporations themselves use shills all the time. Shills were used in, in, in street theater and stuff like that where people are like, for instance, the uh, bait and shift sort of thing where uh, a performer will, you know, doing a magic trick and somebody will be beneath the table pickpocketing people and stuff like that. The, the, the whole method of shilling has been perfected over centuries. And so another thing I want to say too, like me covering this, all right, so you're going to spin this and say, by giving this attention, you are actually helping these shills you are actually doing the dirty work and you've said this in your video that people that actually go around pushing this shill meme are actually doing the dirty work of the government let me put it this way if people that are coming on to truth or videos if people are are like i'm going to start making videos on this or that vaccines or sandy hook or 9-11 or whatever and they don't understand what is at stake if they don't understand the type of online shilling that exists on platforms like YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, etc., then they are in a, a worse position, essentially, and they could be targeted. Their, their lives can be ruined. Their careers can be ruined. All these different things can happen. So what I am doing is what I think is so important is to educate people on this, on the tactics that they use, provide all the evidence that is out there to support the whole, you know, pr proof that shills exist and that they are very, very active on social media and that their primary concern is truthers that exist throughout the world. So I am doing a favor for the truth movement by exposing this. If I am not exposing this, then I am doing a disservice because I'm pretending it doesn't happen and I'm turning a blind eye to it, even though I see it everywhere I go. All right, so it is very important that this is uh, revealed. This is hardly the biggest thing that I cover. I've covered so many things. It's just when I'm on to something, 
that's when I apply myself, when I'm in the zone and I'm like, this is what I'm going to cover on this particular podcast. I want to make sure that I give the best uh, uh, examples, that I really touch all the bases that I need to touch and show people exactly why this is so dangerous and why this is happening and why to the truth movement, it is essential that people understand what is going on. So can I ask you, Jeff, uh, I know that you started doing your channel a lot back uh, around Sandy Hook. How big had your channel got before you became convinced that the government was paying people to come after you? Uh, uh, sorry, coming, coming after me or uh, that? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're saying that you're convinced that there are paid shills giving you death threats and attacking oh, yeah, you yeah, and making absolutely. videos. Uh, how, how long had you been in this caper before you were convinced that you were uh, at risk in danger? Uh, it started during Sandy Hook about a month into. Uh, I can even give the date around the time, which was uh, January the 14th, 2013. So about a month after Sandy Hook. It, it started before that because I was one of the big channels covering Sandy Hook. And then what happened was all this shit was going on. We were being attacked. You know, I was getting threats coming in over and over again. If you do not stop covering this, you're going to end up dead. You're going to end up this. You're going to end up that. We're going to kill you. We're going to do this. So when I was my channel, now, if you think about it, you got to go back because the first uh, year that I was doing the channel, um, I was doing it with my friends. And um, it was a different type of format where we get together once a week, drink a bunch of beers and talk about the shit that was going on essentially in the world, the, the stories that the corporate media was, was covering. And when we covered Sandy Hook, um, that's when I started to branch off on my own. So I, when, I, when I was into Sandy Hook, what happened was about three or four days after Sandy Hook, had happened at first I reacted like everyone else and I was like holy shit we got to do something I mean the guns it's out of control I had that libtard sort of viewpoint but then after a few days of looking at all the evidence that was coming in I was like oh my god I came to the conclusion that this was staged this was a, a, a fake event that they had carried out and then I you know I was already a big time 9-11 truther at that point I started digging in further and further into Sandy Hook. And that's when I started getting targeted massively. And it started in the comments. It would start in personal messages. And it just ballooned from then on. And it has gotten worse, much, much worse. But it was bad back then. I remember it very well. I put up a lot of videos. I said, look what they're doing. I showed people that were giving me death threats. I also showed... Um, how the uh, YouTube was censoring the videos. Um, and all those videos are down, but I'll try to put them back up. But I showed, for instance, that one of the videos that we had done, which was a group discussion uh, calling Sandy Hook a hoax, and I had done tons of research on it and made all these points, pointing to uh, Gene Rosen's uh, uh, you know, testimony, all the contradictions, pointing to uh, Wayne Carver, uh, Robbie Parker, all these things that were going on. And that video went, fu- went mega viral. It was like nearly 500,000 views. And they had froze the video. They pulled it down. Then when they finally put it back up, they scaled back the views. And then they froze the view count. They actually froze the view count for over a month. And they did the same thing to uh, a few other viral videos that were happening at the time. Now, as I said, the week of, of January the 14th is perfect because that was when it was a new week, uh, uh, work week. It was a Monday. And that was when the corporate media came on a massive offensive against Sandy Hook truthers. That is when Anderson Cooper had his 
uh, his reporters ambush uh, Professor James Tracy, for instance, as he was finishing oh, when he finished one of his class and he walked down this or he's walking out of the classroom sort of thing. They were there to ambush him and all that. So and then we had Chank Uger and we had all these other corporate media outlets that were coming after us massively. And all at that time, we were getting the death threats that were coming in. Our channels were getting shut down. That's why I started making backup channels. You know, videos were being pulled. So I had witnessed it from like, that's when I really understood the level. I knew when I got into this, that this was a reality. I knew like one of the first things we covered, in fact, it's so unfortunate that all the videos are down. And it's one of the reasons why I really want to get them all back up. But what we were doing one of our first group shows that we did was on CSEC, the Canadian Securities Establishment Canada and how, and also at the time, so get this, this is so important for people to understand. One of the reasons why we started Free Radio Revolution was what was happening in Canada at the time. So you had Community Security Establishment Canada that were getting the most expensive building in the history of Canada. They were a, a, a part of the Canadian intelligence, but they were their own entity. And they were becoming the most powerful entity in Canada for surveillance. And it's probable that the CSEC does most of the spying on Americans, as you know, as we've learned through the years that, you know, uh, maybe Australia spies on the United States, United States spies on Great Britain, you know, like the six eyes or whatever you want to call it. They all spy on each other and they all share each other's data. All this stuff was coming out. So we were talking about that. What the Canadian government wanted to do at this point in time, they uh, when they had this thing, it was Vic Tays. And Vic Tace was coming out and he they proposed this legislation that would enable the government to enter into anyone's computer, remotely break into people's computers on the guise of the pedophiles. And so the famous quote from Vic Tace was, you're either with us or you're with the child pornographers. You either let the government have the ability to spy on your, you know, look into your computer because you have, if you have nothing to hide, why should you care if the government's looking in there? And this was one of the reasons why we, we started doing podcasts because we were so concerned at this. And one of the reasons why we didn't use full names when we started also was because of that, because we were aware that once you come out and you start exposing, say, 9-11, uh, you know, st- talking about the New World Order, that you were going to get a lot, lot of lists and that you were going to be targeted. So, to answer your question, when I started to really understand the, the high level of shilling that was going on was during Sandy Hook, and it coincided with the time that my channel exploded at that point in time. So I went from having maybe, uh, I don't know, a few hundred subs to a few thousand sort of thing. And then I went on my own. I started doing the show on my own sort of thing. Um, so I have witnessed so much of this and I've experienced it. That's why when I, I listened to your video, my jaw kept hitting the floor over and over again. I mean, people need to listen to what John LeBon put up in his video saying there's, there's just no proof and people are using this because they can't get an audience and it's, it appeals to idiots because, you know, it's the only way that they can, they, they, they can get views and stuff like that. And it's, 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 it's absolute, absolute utter bullshit. This shilling that's going on is so severe and it's not getting less, it's getting more. So that is why I'm so proactive in trying to uh, alert my audience and, and so that they take steps to protect themselves, that they protect their identity, that they don't go on. Like I know you've gone on to show your face and I know a lot of other people have. I don't recommend that. But that is the truth. I have witnessed this firsthand and 
over the years doing this, covering all these media psyops. Now I got known for doing, um, you know, shooting hoaxes and stuff like that. Um, but I even put up a video just recently where I was, when I was covering uh, uh, Cassidy Stay in the Houston shooting hoax, which a, a girl who was shot in the back of the head and what witnessed her entire family shot in front of her was two days later up on a stage with balloons and having a huge celebration and giving Baphomet uh, signs and stuff like that. When I covered that, I got a bunch of legal threats coming in. So what the shills were doing at that point in time was that they were using all these multiple channels to try to scare me to say that they were going to come after me legally. And then when that didn't work, they switched and they said that they were going to possess my soul and uh, they were going to kidnap me and do all this nasty shit to me and torture me and shit like that. I have all those screenshots, John. I can show you them. All right. I put them up in videos before. So I know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not making any of this up. I'm not doing this because I want to do this. I fucking hate talking about shills. I can't stand it. I would much rather here be here with you, John, like in the old days where we get together and we'd actually talk about the big media psyops that were going on at the time. And instead, we're here because, you know, this you know, constant, uh, unbelievable denial that this type of activity exists and that there's no proof whatsoever to support it when the proof is all over the internet. It's all over my own videos. It's all over, you know, the comment sections. Uh, it's, it's in the chats, you know, uh, so it's, it's all over the place. Okay. Well, I have just been keeping a little tab on how much time I speak because I didn't want to speak too yeah. much or over overdo my share. So I think I probably deserve a few minutes just to respond yeah. to a few things there, Jeffrey. So first up, I asked you, when did you become convinced? Because clearly the way that you're speaking, you you do sound like you truly believe that they're targeting you. And I was curious to know, when did that start? When did your belief start? And you mentioned that you said, I knew when I got into this, that this was the reality. So even before you started doing videos, you were already convinced that by doing this, you'd become targeted. I wonder, and once I've gotten through my bit, I'll, I'll let you respond, but I wonder if there's a little bit of confirmation bias there. If you got into this expecting to be targeted, then anything that happens to you might make it more likely that you think it's you specifically being targeted when that might not be the case. And what I find interesting is that, and, and bear in mind, I used to buy into this. When I looked up, I, there, was, there was a period of time for, for many months there where uh, when I got home, I would ch- jump onto YouTube and the first thing I would check is my free Radio Revolution subscriptions to see what videos you'd made. So I used to really look forward to your videos and I bought in when you said that there were people trying to attack you and there were death threats. I was like, man, this is full on. In fact, that's one of the things that made me want to start doing videos. I was like, well, it's not fair that this guy who's exposing the host is that he's getting all these death threats and, and the rest of us aren't pulling our weight. That was one of the things that got me into wanting to do this. Of course, I've now discovered 18 months into doing this that the death threats, if, if you're receiving them, Jeffrey, that's unfortunate. But the people who I've spoken to, the people who do videos, certainly in my experience, not a single death threat other than from you. The only person who's ever threatened me is you when you threaten to come over to Australia and curb stomp me and you threaten to come and bash PK. The only person I know who's making threats has been you. I've never personally received an email or a message or a private message on YouTube threatening me in any way. And that's despite the fact that I am the only person who has broken down to its most fundamental level, the Sydney Siege hoax, which is as important a hoax here in Australia as the Sandy Hook shooting was in America. Now, I know that you're going to say, well, that's because your channel's not big enough to get shield, John. You have to get really big. But I asked you when you started getting shield, and you said it was straight away. You feel like you've been under attack 
right from the start. So you can't have your cake and eat it. Either when you were a small channel, you were big enough to get shield, which means that I should be big enough to get shield, but I haven't been. Or you weren't big enough to be getting shield when you first started your channel, but you were getting shield anyway, which proves my point about confirmation bias. It seems like you truly believe that there are people out to get you, Jeffrey. And for the concerning thing for me is that A, other people buy into this. Fear is such an easy emotion to spread to other people, especially those who aren't making their own videos and seeing for themselves what are the consequences of doing this work. Now, there are consequences. Obviously, there are people who will leave nasty comments. doesn't mean they're paid shills. There are people who make videos about you. There's some guy called BZ True Talk. I only found out the other day. I hadn't checked his channel for months. He's still making videos about me. I haven't spoken to the guy in a long time, right? Very nasty videos. He gets angry and emotional. But for me, it's more sad to think that that's the effects that, that my presence has ha- had on someone. I, I feel sorry for that guy. And I feel sorry for anyone who their involvement in this so-called community has led to them feeling angry or scared or fearful. And I think when people listen to you talk about all of these attacks, they're not making videos. They don't know that it doesn't happen to everyone. In fact, you seem to be the main person that it happens to, and that's going purely on your anecdotal evidence. I mean, you constantly say that you get death threats, you get death threats. Well, the empirical evidence for that claim would be to show us screenshots of the death threats. What are people actually saying about you? Because I can show you the footage from when you said that you were going to curb stomp me. So I can prove that you've threatened me, but can you prove that any of these people have actually death threatened you? And of course, the thing is, like I said, I bought into all of the threat. I bought into your story about the attacks and how much people should be afraid. In fact, when I started my channel, my plan was to never go on camera. I was happy to use my voice, but I was never planning to go on camera because I was concerned what might happen to me, especially because I talk about topics like the hollow hoax, which in my country can get you into hot water. It was only after doing this for a few months that I realized, hold on, nothing's happened to me. I'm okay. Then I started going on camera. Nothing bad happened to me. Then I started meeting people in real life. I met some really cool people. So by doing things that you tell people not to do, this whole YouTube experience for me has been so much better. I've met some really cool people now. If I go back down to Melbourne, I know there's some people I can hang out with, have a coffee, talk about all of this stuff that I'm talking with you now. One of the reasons why people get involved in the YouTube so-called truth committee is because they've got no one in their lives to discuss any of this. They go to their Christmas. Everyone believes the news is real. They're talking about ISIS. They're talking about this nonsense. And these people feel all alone. So they come to this, the YouTube so-called truth committee and, hey, Here are other people who know that the news is lying and they can talk. Well, guess what? By doing that, I now know more people in real life who I can hang out with for a coffee or for a beer or whatever, just have a chat about the very things that I find interesting. So the point I'm trying to make here is when you tell people, I'm under attack, they're out to get me. If you do this, they'll come for you. You'll get death threats. Don't go on camera. Don't meet people in real life. Never meet anybody. It's very scary. This whole place is scary. You better worry. You're spreading a fear-based meme. And of course, we know that the people who run the show at the very top through their programming, through news and through film, through our education system, they're constantly making us fearful. They're making us fearful that there are bad guys out there, so we need the police. They're making us fearful that the bad guys aren't getting tough enough jail sentences, so they bring in more draconian laws to imprison us if they want to. So the the people who run the show want us all to be scared, and what I'm trying to suggest to you is that by you constantly pushing this idea that there's a shill around every corner, that you're being attacked, that everybody who gets involved in this should be very scared, you're actually supporting the agenda of the very people who you claim to be opposing. What say you? Okay, yeah, very interesting. Um, there's a few things that you got totally wrong there. Uh, one is is when you said when when I first noticed that I was being targeted and attacked. I first noticed 
the the attacks and targeting. Now, I, you could say well, we did a lot of podcasts that a lot of people came on and got angry and said this is bullshit. Probably some shells came on and said some shit, but we never had a big audience at that point in time. I told you clearly it was after Sandy Hook. I said to the day, January the 14th, I could even show screenshots, all these things that happened at that point in time. I have archives of of screenshots and messages and everything coming in. I have put some of them up in videos. I have shown this to my audience over and over again. So no, when I got in, what I knew when we started doing Free Radio Revolution, we knew, we knew about... The NSA, we knew about CSEC, we knew about the GCHQ, we knew about all about 9-11, we knew about 9-11 truthers, we knew about 9-11 truthers that have been targeted, people that have been murdered, people that, you know, disappeared, all these different things. So we knew that talking about this stuff was dangerous and that it could lead to us being targeted. But I answered clearly that when I felt that I was really being targeted was when I started to solo cover Sandy Hook. That is when I really started to get massive amounts of threats on all the videos. That is when my channel kept getting shut down, when videos were getting pulled, all this stuff was going on. So no, it wasn't that I came in with a confirmation bias. I came in with a, a, a you know, a, a level head knowing that this is the reality that uh, these kind of things go on and just doing all the research and reading all the articles that were out there in the alternative media, I knew that it was very real that uh, government shills that were uh, involved and in the truth movement. So when it started to happen, um, I wasn't surprised and uh, you know that, but that wasn't right away. That's for sure. So it, what happened with me is because I became popular. Now they target me more than most because I have been, uh, one of the gurus, if you will, in the truth movement, at least on YouTube. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure most YouTube truthers out there know who I am. All right. Um, so that makes you uh, a big player, maybe in a small pond. Right. And you could say, yes, I do agree. I mean, the the YouTube truth community, the amount of views that we generate, stuff like that is it's it's very small compared to what, uh, you know, pop culture channels get. But that's by purpose, the machinations of the New World Order funnel people into all those videos and do everything they can to try to censor our videos from getting the light of day. So I was actually surprised back when WDVJ happened, the, the shooting hoax on, on television, that some of the videos got millions of views. And, and of course, one of mine went super viral and it got taken down right away. And that happened to me over and over again. Uh, by the way, and I could prove this over and over again. In fact, when I covered um, uh, the Foley beheading, I was the first one. I actually, when when the news came in that Foley had been beheaded and that there was a video, I was the first one, at least on YouTube, to put up a video saying that I watched the video and I think it's fake. That video had uh, about 120,000 views in 12 hours, and then it was yanked. It would have had millions of views, of course, but that's the game. When they see a channel like me, uh, a channel like mine, and they see me as some sort of leader-type figure, obviously they're going to put a lot more pressure on me. Now, another thing, too, when we talk about community, um, that's – it's an easy card to play because I was such a big player in the community. In fact, much of what you would describe or what would have been described as the community came directly from the shows that I was involved in, whether it be we'll do it live, the max resistance or even free radio revolution and all the other. And at that point in time, and since then I've appeared on 
you know, dozens of other podcasts. So like I'm a very well-known figure within truth circles that would make me a much bigger target, obviously than people that are just starting off. Now you say yourself, well, I don't have any experience doing that. And it's, it's ironic that you mentioned the Sydney siege because I actually got my channel taken down because of the Sydney siege. And what happened with that, if you remember, was that one of the actors that was involved in the Sydney siege, okay? One of the, the, it was like a teenage, I think it was a 14-year-old guy that was one of the witnesses involved in the Sydney siege. His multi-channel network based out of Australia came after me and attacked my videos and managed to get Free Radio Revolution terminated from YouTube. And it took uh, five, six weeks of unbelievable efforts between myself and all my listeners to get the channel back up. Uh, we went through every, you know, way that avenue that was available to try to mass, you know, bombard YouTube. And, and we went after the people that claimed responsibility, this multi-channel network and all that. So very ironic. Now you would say, well, you know, they're not targeting me. I never had that. Well, I mean, if I was talking about baller skepticism every second video or every two out of three videos, I mean, nobody would give a shit about me. The shills would love me because they'd be like, well, all right, great job. You're putting up all this disinfo. That's wonderful. Making truthers look like retards. Let's talk about the, the earth being flat over and over again. Let's talk about dinosaurs. That's not the same thing as exposing something like Sandy Hook or 9-11 or all these other psyops, vaccine agenda, all these things that I put incredible amounts of time in and have done dozens and dozens of videos on. So it's, it's, it's not the same thing. You are not the same as me. You have a channel that specializes in baller skepticism where I have a channel or channels that specialize in exposing the New World Order agenda. I've had thousands of videos on almost any topic that you could think of dealing with the New World Order. So uh, that makes me a massive target. Obviously, I have a much bigger audience or had a much bigger audience, you know, and, and they took down my main channel where you know lost 50,000 subs and all that. Um, and because I've step back several times because the stress and pressure of doing this is something that we, we discussed briefly before we came online, how, how you were feeling it as well, that this is very stressful to do this type of work, um, especially if you're taking on things like me. And I felt the stress so many times doing this and primarily because I'm so targeted. And uh, that is the reality. If if you have one channel that's coming after you, I have a hundred, maybe more. All right. And it's like daily. It's been going on for years, years of, of me being targeted. So I'm not imagining this stuff. I'm not making it up. I am trying to tell, uh, educate people that are coming on and say, I'm not, I don't want them to be afraid of everyone. I just want them to understand first and foremost, you don't know anybody on the internet unless you know them. Even people that you meet, you know, on the street, you may not know, right? You meet them a few times at a coffee shop or something like that. You might, they might be an ex-murderer. Who knows, right? Probably not, but they might. The thing is, is that it takes time to build relationships. It takes time to get to know people. And in the truth movement, you have to understand what I've been showing with the cognitive infiltration is one of their methods. And this is all in the jet rig handbook, the GCHQ handbook, uh, all the strategies that they were going to use was to come in and befriend people, gain their confidence, and then sabotage their work by turning on them. So I have a thing that happens to me over and over again, what I call flippers, where I have these these uh, uh, people that come on and praise me over and over and over again. And, and in the past, those people would 
potentially get on on shows with me because I'd be like, well, this person, you know, really supports me. I learned the hard way that you a hard way that you just can't trust anyone on the internet. You have to be very careful. We are not getting together to discuss the, the basketball scores or or you know talk about the latest Star Wars movie. We're getting together. We're talking about the psyops of the corporate media and what the new world order is trying to achieve. This globalized government. And that is runs counter to their propaganda. They don't want people to know this. So obviously they're going to take whatever steps that they can. And the steps that they're taking, by the way, this is very important for, for me to, to, to strenuate. There's nothing illegal that I've ever done on any of my channels. But what they are doing is highly illegal. What they are doing to us, the way that they, you know, and, and one of the methods, which is clearly illustrated in the GCH handbook, was to go and shame people publicly. Cass Sunstein said the same thing, that one of the methods that they're going to use is they're going to go after, they're going to identify the leaders, they're going to run their names through the mud, just totally shame them, put whatever personal information they can get on them on the internet, make multiple videos and just hammer away over and over again. And that's exactly what has happened to me. I have seen it. I have lived it. I am not making this up. I have the data or the documents, as Alex Jones says, to prove it. In fact, I could put together a fucking kick-ass film showing the history of how I have been targeted for years, ever since I covered Sandy Hook. So uh, I, you're talking to somebody that's actually walk the walk, talk the talk sort of thing. And I am not here to, to scare the bejesus out of people. I'm just here to tell them, you know what, you got to be careful. You do have, don't make the mistakes that I make. Don't, you know, fall into the psyops that I've fallen into. And protect yourself because, you know what, what you're doing, if you're going to do this and you become popular, it's dangerous Yes, it could ruin your life. It could ruin your marriage. It could ruin your family. It could ruin your job. It could ruin a lot of things. So you might as well take the steps to protect yourself. Yeah, and you talk about talking the talk and walking the walk. Well, I'm someone who has put my face on camera. I'm somebody who has met up with listeners in real life. So I've done some of the things that you're telling people they shouldn't do. And what I'm trying to explain to you and to all of your listeners is this has been a very rewarding experience for me. Just in the last year, I've had a listener from Melbourne come up and visit me. We had a terrific time catching up. A a listener from Sydney came up. He, myself, and Ethan hung out, drank some beers, had one of the best nights of the whole year for me, hanging out with a guy who I only met because I said, hey, you come up to Brisbane, let's hang out. I've met other people similarly. When I was down in Melbourne last year for my 10-year high school reunion, guess what I also spent some time doing? Hanging out with people who I met through doing this kind of work by being open, by being willing to meet people, This whole experience for me has been so much better. I feel so much more welcome in my own home city of Melbourne now that there are people who I've met when I go back there, but I didn't meet them in Melbourne. I met them online because I'm open, because I'm honest, because I'm here, because people can meet me. This is the tremendous thing that I've gotten out of YouTube. And then I hear you telling people, don't use YouTube that way. Be scared. Don't even go on camera. There's people out to get you. And I think to myself, well, if your anecdotal evidence is enough to prove that everyone's out to get people who speak out publicly, then my evidence, my anecdotal evidence, is the complete opposite. And so that's what I'm trying to share with people. If you're going to buy into this idea that if you meet people through using YouTube, if you put yourself on camera, if you buy into this idea that by doing that, you're putting yourself in grave danger, then are you really benefiting yourself? Is it really based on objective, verifiable, documented, empirical evidence? Now, I understand, Jeffrey, that you're saying that you can prove all of this. Oh, yeah. And that's fine. But at the same time, when I listen to you speak, 
and I never noticed this back when I used to be a, a regular listener of your work, but now when I listen to you speak, I feel like I'm listening to someone who truly believes that people are out to get him and you are actually acting out the very stereotype that we're told about so-called truthers or conspiracy theorists. They all think everyone's out to get them. Well, I used to believe what you say. I used to believe that by doing this work, you're in danger, but I no longer believe that. I'm not trying to change your mind. Clearly, you do feel very victimized by what you've done. But all I want to express to your listeners and to mine is that that's one. That's one perspective on all this. The other perspective is, hey, we've got this amazing tool. Any of us now, even with a cheap computer, we can make a video expressing our thoughts, put it out to the world. If there are other people who agree with us, we can meet up instantly online using things like Google Hangouts, using things like Skype. Other people can listen to the conversation. Next thing you know, we might decide, hey, there's people in a close locality. We can now use that as a basis to make real relationships, make real friendships on the ground. This is an incredible tool. That's one of the the things that I'm trying to share with people. Look at my experience. I've had a terrific time with it. So you say, oh, John, when when you say that there are no shills out there, it gets me very upset. Well, I can see why you get upset by that because clearly a huge part of your experience with this, clearly a, a huge part of the way that you see the world and the way that you see YouTube is that it's a bad place that's that's done so many bad things to you. And so that's so much a part of who you are now. You're not going to change your mind. Whereas with me, I used to believe what you believed until I actually did start walking the walk. And now I've got a completely different perspective. Yes, there are some downsides to doing the kind of work that I'm doing. Yes, there are some people out there who hate you. But you only need to buy into it as much as you want to buy into it. And for me, I don't sit there and watch a video by BZ and get angry about what he's saying. I feel sorry for the guy and hope that one day he can move on from his hatred of JLB. I feel the same way about you. I listened to a two-hour podcast of you saying how much you hate JLB and he's a paid infiltrator sent to attack you. Man, I don't get angry when you say that kind of stuff. I feel sorry for you, man. I feel sorry for you. And I think one of the things that happened was six months ago, it was easier for me to believe that you were a paid shill who was just doing this to distract everyone because that's that's almost easier to believe in because the alternative is that you're just a regular guy not so different from me in a different part of the world with somewhat similar interests and your experience with all this has been terrible. And look what it's turned you into, a very angry, hate-filled person, whereas me, <laughs> I feel better for having done this. Oh, man, you make me laugh. Um, no, and and no, and and uh, we're not nearly the same. Uh, you cover baller skepticism and dinosaur hoax, and I expose the corporate media, and I expose all the psyops. And uh, so it's we're not even remotely the same. So, you know, if I was covering Kim Kardashian – you know, and and uh, I don't know what else, what, whatever else, Star Wars or something like that. Um, I wouldn't be targeted either. If I was covering baller skepticism and saying the, the earth is flat and all that, no, of course I wouldn't be targeted. And if you are indeed an online shill, then why would you be afraid of meeting up with other people? I mean, it would be ludicrous to 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 even state that. So and and also just another little caveat on that uh, meeting up with people. I have actually met up with several people. And as I said before, I mean, uh, most of the experiences were great. And then there was one that was terrible. So I said, on the basis of that, it's not worth it. If you are in this, I would not recommend it. I would definitely, and I stand by this. I have no problem with this. I say, make friends in real life. You can make acquaintances on the internet and you can have uh, dialogue and discussion and all that, but I wouldn't recommend meeting up with these people. Now, if I show quickly here, uh, and, you know, I could show a million things with this, but I'll just show this article to you, John. 
And this is uh, Lisa Jones, girlfriend of undercover policeman Mark Kennedy. I thought I knew him better than anyone. This was a massive operation to infiltrate a environmental group that was carried out by British police in which they implanted people within this movement to develop sexual relationships, long-term relationships, relationships that lasted, some of them were like a decade long. And these people were frauds and they were put into that particular movement in order to spy and gain uh, information, uh, access. And this has all been admitted. You can even hear it here. I'll play this for you, just a short, where it is Assistant Commissioner Martin Hewitt apologizes for undercover uh, officer relationship. Just listen to this. The Metropolitan Police Service has recently settled seven claims arising out of the totally unacceptable behavior of a number of undercover police officers working for the now disbanded Special Demonstration Squad, an undercover unit within Special Branch that existed until 2008, and for the National Public Order Intelligence Unit, an undercover unit which was operational until 2011. Thanks in large part to the courage and tenacity of these women in bringing these matters to light, it has become apparent that some officers, acting undercover while seeking to infiltrate protest groups, entered into long-term intimate sexual relationships with women, which were abusive, deceitful, manipulative, and wrong. I acknowledge that these relationships were a violation of the women's human rights, an abuse of police power, and caused significant trauma. I unreservedly apologise on behalf of the Metropolitan Police Service. I'm aware that money alone cannot compensate for the loss of time, their hurt, or the feelings of abuse caused by these relationships. There you go. So, you know, you're talking about in this situation, people who got uh, emotionally, sexually and, you know, you know, practically getting married to these people, developing these intense relationships. And they were ultimately shells that were there employed by the New World Order sort of governments to go in and infiltrate these groups. Um, and this is just one of many, many examples. I've shown these over and over again in my videos uh, exposing this whole thing. So people, this is one of the reasons why you have to be very careful. You have to be very careful uh, what you're doing. I, I would strongly urge people to take whatever steps necessary to protect their identity. I would not encourage you to come on. Now, John, you said that you made the decision to come on and show your face after you finally you know start to realize that you know it was all bullshit and you know this all this shilling is all just people trying to get an audience and there's no truth to it and all that but you appeared in a in a video uh i think it was bikini something uh was a bikini ride i don't even know what it's called uh before you even started your channel talking about how you were going to start a truth channel and all that you also appeared in one of the major daily newspapers uh, in Australia, and there's videos on YouTube showing this. So I don't know exactly what you're saying about you not, you know, wanting to use your face in the beginning, but then you came to the realization that there's no such thing as shells. Can I respond to that yes. straight away? So you've made a couple of claims there. The first one, it wasn't beginning. It was called Aussie Beach TV. That's Aussie, A-U-S-S-I-E, Beach TV. And that wasn't before I started my channel. This was after maybe 15 10 or 15 weeks of doing the Australian Roundtable podcast with Ethan and Lindsay before we went on Aussie Beach TV. So what you've claimed there, Jeff, is factually incorrect, 100% can easily be proven. What happened was I started the ARP. I was never on camera. I didn't even upload any videos to my channel. Only after, like I said, 10, 12, however many weeks it was, Ethan came to me and said, hey, man, 
I know the guys from Aussie Beach TV because there's not very much independent media in Australia, okay? We're, what are we, 24 million people? Almost no independent media. Ethan happens to know the people who were involved with Aussie Beach TV. We thought it'd be a good cross-promotion. And I said, look, I'm not too keen to go on camera because like I said at the time, I still, this is before TransAsians when I still looked up to you, Jeff. I still bought into the whole, we need to be worried they're going to come and get us meme. Anyway, <laughs> eventually. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so anyway, I was not too keen on the idea, but eventually I was like, you know what, stuff it. I'll go on camera. So we did. The Aussie Beach TV camera uh, crew came through, had a great time. They recorded us. It's on Aussie Beach TV now. Last I checked, it only had like, I don't know, 500 views or something. So if people want to go and check that out, that'd be great because the guy who runs that is a genuine independent guy. He works a full-time job. And then on his side, he likes to go and what he does is he pays people, uh, gorgeous women, to go around with a microphone to walk up to strangers on the beach or whatever and they think they're going to get interviewed about something silly, but then she'll hit them with something like, uh, so what do you think about the Bilderberg Group or what do you think about the global financial crisis or whatever? Mm-hmm. So it's like a way to get people to watch but then listen to people talk about things they wouldn't uh, listen to them talk about, right? That's what the guy who runs Aussie Beach TV is all about. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we did that video. It's up on Aussie Beach TV, but that was not before I started my channel. It was much later, and this is easily proven by anyone who goes and checks out Aussie Beach TV right now. So on that point, Jeff, you're completely Can I just jump in now? I didn't know the dates, all right? But what I knew at the time, because people had sent it to me and said, well, look, because you were not showing your face on your channel. So what, what, what uh, you're, I'm sure you're right about this. I'm not going to question you on this. And I'm sorry that I made that mistake. But what the point that I want to get across is that you had come on to a sort of corporate media thing before even revealing your face on your show and that i found a little bit strange okay so now you're saying that aussie beach tv is corporate media i just explained to you yeah i just explained to you that that guy is an independent film producer and like i said that video has like 500 views so now you're trying to claim that that's corporate are you is is it on a network or is 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 it uh i mean it's on youtube it's aussie beach tv on YouTube. Okay, it's only YouTube. Okay, f- okay, but that's that's what I said. Is that um, you had appeared there before you had appeared on on uh, your own channel with that? Anyways, yeah, I but understand- anyway, I had to finish responding to your okay, claims because right. your first claim was that I was on corporate media before I did my channel, which I've just explained to you mm-hmm. is wrong on every level. And then your second point was about me appearing in a major newspaper. That part is true. When I was down in Melbourne back in what uh, middle of last year. I was actually catching up on the day that I was first catching up with a person who'd been following my work on YouTube and been leaving some really cool comments in the live chat. The day that I was meeting him for the first time, I was waiting on the corner of uh, the Flinders Street Station, the biggest train station in Melbourne, Melbourne, our second largest city, a big city. Melbourne's a huge city, like 3 million people, 4 million people. So I was standing out front of the largest train station in our second largest city. In my home city, I'm now in Brisbane. I was visiting Melbourne for... uh, I think that was for a wedding in the middle of last year. I can't remember. I went back a couple of times. But anyway, mm-hmm. I was waiting to catch up with one of these guys, uh, with this, this listener, and now a person who I like to consider a friend. I was catching up with him for the first time, though. We didn't even really know each other, really. While I'm waiting, I saw the Vox Pop. I don't know if you guys know what Vox Pop is, but the Herald Sun, which is our Rupert Murdoch newspaper in Melbourne, they send out once a day or once every couple of days a guy and a girl, and they go out to people and ask them their opinions. And then it appears on like page 15 or 20 of their Herald Sun, the daily newspaper, right? Mm-hmm. The Rupert Murdoch daily tabloid. So I saw a couple of people asking questions while I was waiting for me, mate Adam. I saw him and I thought, hey, that might be the Vox Pop group from the Herald Sun. So I just wandered on over, put on a smile and said, hey, are you guys from the Herald Sun? 
And you know this, Jeffrey. If you just walk up to people with confidence, flash a smile, it's not hard to get them to talk. They were happy to talk to me. Yes, they were from Vox Pop. And I said, well, what's the question for today? They said, well, would you like to be? And I said, sure. So by showing some initiative, I got to walk over there, got to turn up into the Herald Sun. And this was fantastic. So if you go to the Herald Sun of whatever day that was, you're going to find John LeBon. And the best part is there's my face. I hadn't had a show for a while. I was looking like a bum, but that's cool. And there I am. And the question was, should the government give people a public holiday on uh, some sporting event or something like this? I can't remember. You can find that. It's all on there's a guy who made a video. I'll see if I can find a, a copy of it and mirror it on my channel. But anyway, the yeah. point is I gave them the response of, you know, what I really believe about, well, why is it up to the government to tell us when we can and can't work in this kind of thing, right? Now, mm-hmm. they rephrased my answer, but still I was the only person in that Vox Pop response because they show five or six to have an answer that went against what the media narrative would usually be pushing, right? So for me, I thought at the time, like, firstly, on a personal level, I was pretty happy to get into the Herald's time with the Vox Pop. But secondly, I thought this was a really cool thing for the so-called truth community that one of us actually got into a mainstream newspaper, got our name in there, got our face in there, got our opinions in there. To me, I thought this was a really cool thing. But then one of the people who obviously follows your work and buys into the paid shill meme, he thought this was proof that I was a paid shill because I got Vox Popped the Herald Sun. I mean, this is how far your paid shields meme has infested people's oh, minds. You can't blame but, me for that. Uh, well, <laughs> just, just let me say this. I've been very patient with you. This is how far the paid shields meme has infested people's <laughs> minds. That simply seeing my face in the box pop, they take that as evidence that I'm a paid shield. Can you see uh, how John, ridiculous I'm this is? I'm playing the world's Jeffrey? smallest uh, violin for you because I have no sympathy whatsoever considering there are thousands of videos on me claiming that I'm a shill, that I'm an Israeli agent, that I'm a Nazi, all these different things. So, uh, you know, <laughs> if there's somebody put up a little video like that, you should probably be flattered. Um, the, the thing no, is... I'm not complaining, Jeffrey. You missed what I was saying. I want to ask well, you... No, no, I've been very patient, Jeffrey. What I'm saying is the idea that anyone could take that little Vox Pop as evidence of paid shills shows, shows just how far gone they are, how deeply rooted yeah, the paid shills that- is in their minds. I'm not complaining. I love it. I was glad he did because, you know, the problem was I did the Vox Pop and usually it appears in the Herald Sun a day or two later. I completely forgot about it because I was doing a whirlwinds tour of Melbourne, hadn't been there for a while, catching up with heaps of people. I forgot to buy the Herald Sun the next day. So I completely forgot about the whole thing. Then someone links me to this video saying, hey, just see this. That guy had seen me in the Herald Sun, uploaded the video. I'm not complaining. I'm glad that he did because now I've got a record of it that I got into the Vox Pop in the Herald Sun. So I'm not complaining. The point I'm trying to make to you is the fact that people use this as evidence that I'm a paid shill shows just how far gone they are and how far your paid shills meme has infested ah, people's minds. My paid shills meme. Yes, it's my paid shills meme. You know that there's there's multiple videos, dozens of videos out there that claim that I actually work for Alex Jones. And all the proof that they have is actually a, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, what is it? Video Motion, uh, I think is the name of the website. There's an account that somebody has on Video Motion that's called Alex Jones Webster Tarpley Ziad or something like that. And has a picture of Alex Jones. And that person has uploaded some of my videos onto Video Motion. And therefore, there's 100% proof that I work for Alex Jones and that I'm a paid shill. So, um, you know, that's why I'm not going to feel too sorry for you uh, dealing with that because, uh, you know, that that is par for the course if you get even a, a little bit of a name in this type of work. Um, but, you know, you, you're saying 
you know, like we're having an interesting discussion here because we're talking about whether or not people should put their trust in strangers on the internet. And I think it's folly to do so. And I have actually experienced the dark side of that. And I tell you, it's not worth it. It's not worth all the good times you might have. It's not worth it because if you get someone that isn't real, just like I showed in that article there where the person fell, like several of these women fell in love with police officers, had sex with them, developed long-term relationships with them, lived with them. And these people were liars. They were frauds. You don't know who people are on the internet. It's much better to try to meet your social life in real life so that you can at least physically get to know them. And also the fact that if you do cover uh, truth uh, uh, stuff and you're involved in those circles, well, then there will be shills that will be on the scene sort of thing. And they will uh, take your information, whatever they can get on you in case you do become a problem at some point. But I find it interesting. Now I want to ask you something like I, I, I've always been against, uh, you know, uh, divulging personal information and all that. So I, I don't want to, you know, bother you too much on your own personal information. But you seem to be pretty proud that you put your face on, on YouTube and stuff like that. And you, you, you're you recommending that people do this and that they in, in, involve themselves in relationships. Is your name really uh, John LeBon? Will you comment on that? Yeah, I'm more than happy to comment on that. Before I do, though, Jeffrey, is your name really Jeffrey Cleveland? Um, no, my name is Jeff C. So that's literally what's on your slave certificate is J-E-F-F and then the letter C and that's it. No, uh, that is my name for the internet. I do not release any more because that is the initial for my last name. So that's as far as I go because I have been honest all along about who I am what I do, why I'm here. I have absolutely nothing to hide except I'm not going to go and put all my personal information all over the internet. I am merely asking you if your name is actually John LeBond because that is the name of your channel and therefore I think it's a fair question. Yeah, that's fine. And I think it's a fair question to ask why you never go on camera, Jeffrey. Now, I think we know the answer yeah, because you're going to say, well, just hear me out because you're going to say that you're too scared to go on camera. You're afraid you're going to attack. But from what you're saying, you're already under constant attack. So I'm not too sure how much worse it can get if you just, I mean, if people can already contact you and give you death threats, how, how could it get worse if they're already contacting you to give you death threats? Because they, they, they can find me physically and give me more death threats. Because uh, you, you know, the only person who's ever threatened me with any kind of physical altercation is you, but that's okay. As for me, <laughs> I would have said this. Well, look, all right. Uh, when all that, that is true, you know that's true. With, I don't uh, even uh, try and deny that. You did yeah, threaten yeah. to curb stomp me. Yeah, you yeah, threatened yeah. To well, I'm, I'm a fighter, and, and if if you go around saying bad shit about me and, and I run into you, yeah, I'll do that. Well, I won't curb stomp you, but I'll, I'll, I'll certainly physically confront you, and that's what happened at that point in time. And I don't, you know, yeah, I'll, of course I wouldn't do that, and I don't advocate that type. But that's me. I'm a fiery guy. So sometimes my emotions get the better of me. And that was one of those instances. And everybody knows that about me anyways. There's all kinds of videos on me, you know, blowing up. Every time I have a meltdown, as they call it, it gets all over the Internet. So it doesn't really bother me because I am the real deal. uh, And I'm not afraid to speak with emotion. And I'm not here to manipulate people and, and talk in a certain way in order to do so. So you didn't answer the question, though. Is John LeBon your real name? Well, you already know the answer to this. I've already stated this publicly when I was live on the air with I'm Another Aussie. What was that, six months ago, Jeff? So you already know the answer, and all of my listeners already know the answer. On my slave certificate that I was given when I was born, it does not say John LeBon. 
it's a similar name, but that's not my slave certificate name. And it's not the name that people know me as at work. And for the time being, my real work, mind you, and the one that I get paid for, not like YouTube that I put hours into for no monetary compensation, that's the actual job that I have, because I do have a job. I, okay. I use my slave certificate name. And let me explain more to you about that. We live in a situation now where, I mean, I'll give an example. The job that I currently have, the induction for that included an inclusivity, an inclusivity and tolerance workshop or something like this. I'm not joking, right? Hear me out on this one. So okay. for a couple of hours, I had to sit there and listen to how if you're having a private conversation with your workmate and someone work, walks past who might be offended on behalf of somebody else, then you're up for uh, being reprimanded about that. So suppose I'm sitting down with a colleague in the, you know, over smoke break and we're just having a chat about something we saw on TV and say for argument's sake, I point out, why are there so many interracial couples on advertisements? Why is there so many? Like they, they, they are completely overrepresented in TV commercials, right? Mm-hmm. I don't say it loud and I don't say it critical of anyone, but I ask the question and then my mate responds with his view on it. Somebody walks past who is the same race as me, but gets offended on behalf of somebody else who might get offended from, you know, conversations about race, I can be up for reprimand based on that. That's what we were trained as part of induction. I wouldn't imagine that things are too much differently in your country. We're truly living in Orwellian times. So I prefer to have the idea. And, and here's another it's thing. Too. Well, just, just hear me out, Jeffrey. Truly... Right? I've, been, I've okay. been very patient with you, Jeffrey, so just hear me out. Bear in mind that during the induction, I remember this well, it wasn't really that long ago for the job that I'm currently in, that by the time we got to lunch on the Friday of the first week, people were coming up and saying, where's my Facebook? Where's my Facebook? This is what people do now. They instantly look yep. for those they meet. They look for them online. Now, obviously, I spend a lot of time on my channel. You try and say that all I speak about is baller skepticism. That's patently untrue. I talk about a whole bunch of things. And one of the most contrary, and I, I've already told people at work, I don't believe we live on a giant spinning ball, okay? So I've got no issue with that. But what, but that's okay. That's not really that controversial. What is controversial is saying, you know what? I don't like it how in all white countries and not only white countries, there's mass immigration that people don't get to vote on. And I think that the white race is being extincted as we speak, right? That is very controversial. And even though I can prove that with empirical data, that's the kind of stuff that can get me in very hot water very quickly. So the idea that someone who meets me at work they type my slave certificate name into YouTube, into Google. They don't find out my real views about the world. I prefer it that way. And that is the one step that I take to try and minimize the fallout from me sharing my views online. But my face is out there. My views are out there. And one day my slave certificate name will come out. And when it does, all of the clowns out there, and they, they make up a large percentage of the people involved in this, who've been trying to dox me, trying to learn about me. What's his real backstory? Did he go to a Jesuit school? When my slave certificate name comes out, they're going to find out that everything I've said about my past checks out. Everything, every little bit of it. There's nothing suspicious about it. I went to a public high school in Melbourne. I didn't go to a Jesuit school, okay? I went to a regular university. I didn't go to a Jesuit university. I don't have any Freemasons in my family. I've never been employed by the CIA or by any front groups for the CIA. On and on and on it goes. Well, my whole been- backstory, just hear me out, Jeffrey, my whole backstory will eventually come out and when it does, it's going to check out. And the backstory will come out because I'm meeting people, because I'm out there, because I'm public. Eventually, it'll all come out. And when it does, I'll be looking fine. Whereas, and, and it might be a consequence at my place of work, but I'll deal with that when the time comes. Remember, I started this channel at the time, not even planning to go on camera. That's how much I bought into the page shields me. Now we compare that to you. No one even knows what your face looks like. So while you're out there saying that there's shields everywhere, everyone should be scared, 
you know, don't don't even try and use the internet to share your opinions yeah. because you're going to get in trouble. You don't even oh. show your face. <laughs> Come on. Come on. And you, you Seriously? About, Seriously? About- I mean, look at my show. I'm, uh, that's what I do for, for, I mean, everything I do on YouTube is sharing my opinion. Of course, I'm not telling people not to share their opinions. Of course, I'm just telling people to be careful. And I'm saying that their shills are <laughs> as real as, as the sun uh, will rise tomorrow. There will be shills on the internet and they will be uh, in truth or networks. And there's no doubt about it. I find it very, 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 uh, you know, ironic that you, you talk about that we are truly living in Orwellian times. Uh, yes, it's called the New World Order, 1984. Big Brother is watching. So if Big Brother is watching and you're so concerned about Big Brother watching and that you have gone taking steps by using a pseudonym and uh, now you admit that that's not your name and that you have a slave certificate with a different name on it, uh, but you are afraid at work, at your real job, of people overhearing your... your um, you know, your, your actual views on, on immigration and stuff like that. It seems, I don't know, it seems extremely hypocritical that you are so afraid. You're saying that it seems hypocritical. Explain how that's hypocritical. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is that at work, anyone at my work can, and some of them already have Googled my slave name and they've found not very much. Okay. Because like I said, I don't use my slave name on YouTube. Whereas if I use my slave name for my YouTube handle, then if they looked me up, they'd see they've got a YouTube channel. They might be liable to listen. They might be liable to listen to my views that I've expressed openly, not to them directly. They're liable to get offended on behalf of somebody else and they're liable to report me and I'm liable to be at risk of being reprimanded at my job and potentially losing my job. Now, eventually, this all will catch up. Eventually, there's half a chance someone will find my channel. They will get offended. I'll deal with that when that comes. But for the time being, I feel a little bit better knowing that when people go to look up my name, they don't find my YouTube channel. That's yeah, the point that I'm trying to make to you. But I'm out there more than you are. I'm out there far more than you are. So so for you to criticize me, I mean, you talk about me being hypocritical. Who's the hypocritical one here? Anyone can come to Brisbane and meet me in person, have some beers. Anybody well, can do that. how would we find you? People have. So, no one can come call? to you. I mean, if we're going to call you up, uh, how do we know your number? And how, Do you answer the phone as John Laban? I've got a Skype account. You contacted me on Skype. Well, I know that. But that you're talking- and then I've met them literally in Brisbane. I mean, I would meet you, Jeffrey. If you came to Brisbane, I'd be more than happy to meet you in the middle of Brisbane. I'd even buy you a beer. Oh, you know what I mean? All I would ask is don't go around to curb stomp people. You know well, what I mean? Look, so, yeah, you don't have to worry about me because uh, I would never waste a minute of my life. Uh, I never do. I mean, I, I really don't. I mean, I, I don't care, honestly, uh, what your past is or anyone else's. Seriously, I'm here for discussion and ideas alone and uh i just merely question the hypocrisy that i see when you're telling people that they shouldn't fear uh releasing any of their personal information and not from paid shills dude not from paid shills let me finish finish, and you're you're interrupting when i'm trying to get my point of view across so you can cut back after i said my say here but i mean you're telling people that there's nothing that they need to worry about that online chilling is a complete myth there's absolutely no evidence to support it whatsoever and yet we live in an orwellian times and that you are a slave, you were born a slave, you have a slave certificate, and that you have to use a different identity because you can't allow your online identity to mix with your real life. It seems extraordinarily hypocritical here, like you have a lot to hide. And maybe the best thing for you to have done was never to come on and show your face 
uh, on YouTube, I would have, if you would have come to me and asked me, I would have said, no, don't do it. But I don't have a problem with people that decide to do it. Uh, many of my good friends here on YouTube uh, do it regularly. And I think it's cool that they do because in a way that could protect you in a way, because then if anything does happen to you, uh, you're going to be easily recognizable. Uh, so I can see the flip side to it. It depends how deep you're willing to go, how uh, much you're willing to expose and stuff like that, and how uh, uh, scared you are of, of being targeted and things like that. But from my personal experience, I wouldn't recommend it to folks. And I think that uh, it's dangerous to talk about uh, truth uh, when we live in an Orwellian times, as you say. I mean, it's Big Brother literally is watching everything. You are very aware of that, even though you pretend that it doesn't exist. And I think anybody that's listening to this can hear the hypocrisy over and over again on how you are conducting yourself tonight dealing with this. This uh, whole notion that online chilling is a complete myth and is made up by people like myself in order to garner an audience and to spook people and stuff like that is uh, almost as silly. Actually, it's more silly. It's more silly than the flat earth uh, stuff that you promote. And I think with that being said... Um, well, just let me respond and then we can move on to the ball of skepticism stuff. What you're doing is making a false conflation. What I'm saying is that if my real views about the world, especially about controversial topics that have to do with, say, racial realities and these kinds of things, if my real views were known within my workplace that could jeopardize my employment. So this has nothing to do with paid shills. This is an actual reality on the ground. It's the same reason why I don't talk about race, race reality at work. I, like I gave the example of what if I'm talking about something over there, the coffee table at, at Morning Smoko. Guess what? I don't talk about this kind of stuff at Morning Smoko for that exact reason. So the same reason why I don't talk about this stuff at the workplace is why I would prefer people at my workplace not knowing about my YouTube channel and what I really think about the world. That's very different to what you're saying, which is that people shouldn't let other people, people shouldn't use the internet or go on the internet or use their faces or anything because there are paid shills out to get them. The two are completely different. And for you I to try and falsely use them, the internet. Well, you're saying be scared, be scared, don't go no, on camera, I'm saying don't be cautious, people. cautious, cautious, take, take steps. And, and, what, and, and what you're saying like you is are. be very cautious. You what you're saying right. is... Yeah, but you've protected what you're saying is be very cautious because there are page shills out there, but you can't prove there are any page shills. What I'm saying is... Yes, I, I can. Just, <laughs> I, I, I can well, prove over and over again. From, you, you've used an article from The Guardian and Cass Sunstein. I mean, earlier, to, oh, earlier in this chat, you said that they don't want us to know about this, and that's why they're attacking your channel. Okay, think about it logically then, Jeffrey. How come mm -hmm. that thing from, from Cass Sunstein was made public? How come that thing from the GTHQ is made public? Because it's pretty hard to uh, hide when you hire somebody to do a job for the White House, when you're part of the White House staff and you get hired to do a particular job. And then all of a sudden, well, it just happens that this guy has these uh, uh, viewpoints, which he has put forth in his own books, which have been published uh, several times and there are several editions that are out there and of course when he's confronted on it he's like ah oh, uh, I don't remember saying that uh, obviously I've said a lot of things and a lot of them I can't remember so I can't comment sort of thing um, so you know obviously we live in an Orwellian times uh, John LeBond no 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 like I said I've been keeping track of how much time we've spent talking and I can tell you right now you've had much more air time than me and that's fine but there's one more point I need to make yeah. when I say Orwellian if people actually read the book by George Orwell 1984 don't just watch the movie read the book 
one of the huge aspects of it is this idea of they don't actually need to monitor the proles. The proles make up the majority of the population. They don't need to worry about monitoring the proles. What they do do is, is that people who make it into the outer parties, so what we would call the professions here, teachers and lawyers and doctors, those people are the ones who are monitored and they self-monitor, they monitor one another. There's this thing called thought crime. Now, what I'm trying to suggest to you is that I would be committing a thought crime if I were to explain to people at work that personally, I'm proud to be a white person. They should be proud to be Asian or Chinese or Japanese or African or East African or whatever, however they identify. They should be proud of that. And I should be allowed to be a proud, I should be allowed to be proud to be a white person. Well, guess what? That's a thought crime in my country today. So that's what I'm saying. It's all well in, in that the people around you are the ones who are most likely to report on you. That's definitely true. Whereas what you're talking about is a paid shill in every corner. Look at, and that's completely different. And you've made a false conflation and you talk about hypocrisy. Well, I think most of the listeners will agree there's been hypocrisy, but it hasn't been coming from my end, my friend. Well, and I that's could all back up on that topic. Everything I said, everything I could back it Without up. Page, and, I have, and I've already produced the something. same mainstream media you say you can't trust. You're using their articles to say that there are shills everywhere. Well, not using their articles alone. In fact, I'm using a lot of the alternative media and I'm doing a lot of my own research. But when the police, when the, the courts are involved and then the corporate media has to report on it, Right. And and that's the case uh, here with this. Uh, what was it? Middleton um, police operation that was, uh, it, it, you know, infiltrating shills into this uh, environmental group for over a decade and destroying people's lives. I mean, how awful can you get where you get to the point where you are having sex with people and you're an undercover agent? You develop relationships that last, you know, six, eight, ten years and you are a complete fraud. And that is just an example that I show. And these are the examples. Maybe some of them are from the corporate media, uh, but they're there. I mean, they can't deny them. They can't hide them because we well, see they're not that. hiding. They're putting that in public. We still have a legal can. system that still functions. It's, it's, it hasn't been completely eradicated. We still have constitution. We still have bill of rights. We still have things that protect us. Therefore, they still have to dance around all these things. And we're not getting near the full picture, but we got a lot of it from the Snowden leaks. We got a ton of it. We've got hundreds and hundreds, thousands of pages worth of documents showing how invested the New World Order is. The six eyes are invested into online shilling. Um, so it's it's a fait accompli, and the evidence is absolutely overwhelming. And for you to deny it uh, should raise a lot of eyebrows. Uh, you actually saying that Edward Snowden was a genuine whistleblower. Oh, there we go. Like, now J- Edward Snowden is 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 a hoax and not. Like, I'm serious. Is that what you actually are, are claiming that Edward Snowden was a genuine whistle whistleblower? That that whole story was legitimate. I'm that he gonna, fled to Russia and got asylum. I'll get into the documents themselves that have been released and have been verified and confirmed over and over again. That are all over the internet. You can research them yourself. I don't really care about whether Snowden, and I know that might be a shill tactic to put out that you can't trust anything that comes off the corporate media. Um, But look, so you don't trust the guy on YouTube with 2000 subscribers, but you do trust the guy who the, who the media are promoting through the New York times. I don't trust him. He's claiming to be an NSO. You just said, I look at the documents. I got the documents. I look at the documents. All right. Yeah, they gave you the documents. They gave me the documents and the documents, the, the, the documents totally correspond with all my own personal experience and watching exactly what has happened. And there's so much more beyond that. In fact, 
now that we've had this discussion and, you know, I could have, instead of uh, like, I, I have all these articles in front of me, John, I could easily just share my screen over and over again. I didn't want to do that because I wanted us to have a discussion. I didn't want you to feel like you, you know, were coming here for a setup or anything like that. It's not about that. I'm here to have the discussion to allow you to speak your point of view because last week I came out, I called you out and I said that what you were saying about the online shilling was categorically false and, and in, in, in essence it was shilling itself. And uh, I wanted to give you the opportunity to respond to that. And I think I have, and I think, you know, it's been an interesting discussion. So, but dealing with your name, I just want to ask you if the last name that you chose there, LeBon has any significance. Yeah, it certainly does. And uh, this is one of the few things that you've actually gotten right. And so when I was think, trying to think of a name to use, I did choose a name that is similar to my slave name, but not the exact same. And I was trying to think of ideas. And then one day, John LeBon popped into my head and I thought it worked really well on two levels. Firstly, it sounds nice, like John LeBon, it rolls off the tongue. Yep. But then secondly, I uh, have actually studied the works of Edward Bernays and Gustave LeBon. And everybody should. And in fact, on my show, The ARP, I used to constantly make references to Edward Bernays. His book, Propaganda, is only like 120 pages. This guy, Edward Bernays, was the grandfather of public relations. But public relations is what we now call propaganda. You see, the word propaganda now, it has a negative connotation, and for good reason. But back before the wars, it was just a, a neutral term. Propaganda just meant what you might now call uh, marketing or whatever, just a way of trying to influence people's perceptions of something. Well, this guy was the granddaddy of modern propaganda. He was the big dude, Edward Bernays, E-D-W-A-R-D Bernays, Edward Bernays, propaganda, small book. If you consider yourself a truther or a truth seeker or a researcher, but you haven't taken the time to read Edward Bernays, then you're selling yourself short because this guy says straight up that the people think that they're selecting the government, but actually it's a small group of men who sit around a table, they decide, and then they pay people like me to get you to believe that you're choosing that guy as president. And he wrote this book 80 years ago. Now you might say, oh, why, why would I care what uh, Bernays had to say? Who was he? Well, he was a guy who was in charge of the Committee for Public Intelligence back, like I said, during the war, during the World War, right? This guy was uh, an insider and he wrote a book openly stating the way that the system works. So it's not a conspiracy theory. This is straight up how it works. He doesn't just talk about his experiences with it. He talks about different ideas and methods that you can use to share your ideas. And so if you're someone who makes videos or who does podcasts, obviously you want to try and get your ideas out to people in as efficient a way as possible. So if you can study the techniques of the people who run the show, you oh. can use the same techniques. And Very so Edward Bernays' Propaganda and obviously Gustave Le Bon Crowd Psychology, people should read them, and I have read them. So the Le Bon is like an homage to Gustave Le Bon. Every day people out there don't realise it, but they're being influenced by marketing that itself was influenced by Gustave Le Bon. The Gustave so there's Le bon. relevance there. Now, yes. I mentioned this on a fakeologist audio chat ages and ages and ages ago, Gust Gustave Le Bon, Edward Bernays, the rest of it. So John Le Bon sounds good, also an homage to Gustave Le Bon, who everybody should read the work of. And then you come along and you say, oh, John Le Bon, I've, I've worked out. He's actually calling himself Gustave Le Bon as a way to whatever it is, whatever claim you're making. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm glad that actually you've finally gotten something correct, Jeffrey, but why aren't you promoting the work of Gustave Le Bon. This is something I've always wondered about. I, I don't need you to constantly talk about the New World Order and all of this, but I never hear you say to people, 
go and read the books of, of people well, like Medley Butler, you know, a, War is a Racket, yeah, or yeah. Edward Bernays Propaganda, or Gustave Le Bon Crowd Psychology, or even 1984 by George Orwell. Yes, that's a big book, but if it's too big for you, go and read Animal Farm. <laughs> I've read it if five you, times, by the way. If you um, read Animal Farm by George Orwell, you'll understand that Russia and America aren't enemies. They were never enemies, which that alone should tell you the whole Edward Snowden story is just a complete joke, and anyone who believes into it isn't a real researcher. Go and read these books. And why don't you promote these books, Jeffrey? You want to scare people? You want to talk about scared of me? I never uh, hear you promoting these books. Well, I, I mean, if people want to go and research Gustav Le Bon, it's all about crowd psychology, controlling the herd, how to uh, get people to do what you want them to do, essentially. And I think that's what we have with the ball earth uh, skepticism here, your whole uh, – I don't even know what to call it, operation. I guess I'd call it an operation. I'm going to call a spade a spade. This uh, Flat Earth PSYOP, I actually watched its its renaissance that happened right out of TransAsia. In fact, it was all the same channels that promoted TransAsia as being a hoax that started promoting Flat Earth. And uh, I witnessed this explode. And that's one of the reasons why I had that uh, uh, Google Plus private group that uh, – people leaked online called the watchers and all we were doing was watching exactly what you guys were doing. And it was fascinating to see how you are manipulating people into this, uh, this very, I don't mean, it's not clever. I mean, it, for me, it's, it's, it's obvious, but um, ball earth skepticism. I got to tell you, John, uh, I'll, I'll come out and say it 100%. There's no way that this planet or earth is a spinning ball. There's no way. You are absolutely right. And everyone out there that thinks that this earth is a spinning ball is an idiot. They should all, I mean, they all have to really realize that there's no way it's impossible that this, this is a spinning ball. And I, I agree wholeheartedly and I commend you for, for taking that tact because it's very important. This is total manipulation to, to, for people to suggest that the earth is a ball is just incredible. I find it really amazing. And I'd like to know where it started. I actually tried to research it. And I was like, who's the first one to call the earth a spinning ball? And I was looking up uh, ball earth and all I came across was your work. And then I started to think, well, maybe he invented the term ball earth. And then I think, well, John really likes to pride himself on his semantics, right? He's really proud of, of how he knows, uh, read a lot of these books and speaks well. Um, so he knows exactly what he's saying when he's calling the earth a ball. Um, what is a ball, John? Oh, excellent question. And thank you for uh, giving me the credit for it. Sadly, I can't take credit for ball earth. It is terrific uh, use of propaganda, classic propaganda, call it a ball and get people to associate the world that they live on with a ball because it's so ridiculous, right? It's, it's a great idea, but sadly, I can't take credit for it. I first heard it from Eric Dubay. But what I then did was name our show the Ball Earth Skeptic Roundtable. So it was building upon the foundation that Eric Dubay, I don't know if he started Ball Earth, it might have been somebody else, but that's where I got it and I'm giving him credit for now. But then by building upon it with Ball Earth Skeptic, it helped to propagate this idea that the heliocentric model 
basically posits that we live on a ball, which is true. That is what they're saying. It's a giant. They don't say it's a sphere. Not at all. They what they're saying they don't. They don't. They don't say that, that it's a sphere. Not at all. What they're saying. A ball is purposely. You chose that term purposely. Well, I didn't. I didn't choose it. Someone else. Just let me yes, finish it. Just yes, let me finish let's it. Look at the definition of what a ball is. A ball is a round, usually spherical, but sometimes avoid object with various uses. It is used in ball games where the play of the game follows the state of the ball as it is hit, kicked, or thrown by players. In context of sports, a ball need not refer to a spherical object. Of course, it could be a football. Um, balls can also uh, be used for simple activities such as catch, marbles, juggling. Balls are made from hard-wearing uh, materials, are used in engineering applications to provide very low friction bearings as well, uh, known as ball bearings, of course, and black powder weapons such as uh, projectiles, metal balls, and stuff like that. The term ball, the earth is not a ball, it's a planet. So for you to use that particular term over and over again, ball or skeptic, what you're trying to do is paint people who view the earth as a planet, as a spherical planet, as children, and that they're so dumb that of course the Earth isn't a spinning ball because when anybody thinks of a spinning ball, they might think of like a Harlem Globetrotter spinning a basketball on his finger or something like that. That is a spinning ball. The Earth is actually a sphere, a planet. And so therefore all your videos saying ball Earth skepticism are all a form of manipulation to uh, you know bring in your listeners and to have them scoff at the notion that the earth could be a child's toy, basically. Well, part of what you said I agree with. So just let me explain this. On that page that you've got there, what's the final sentence there, Jeffrey? In the opening uh, paragraph or the opening stanza for the term ball on Wikipedia, what's that sentence say right there? Just above as where it says... Are, yeah, as, uh, as balls are one of the most uh, familiar spherical objects to humans, the word ball is used to refer or to describe anything spherical or near spherical. So there you go. So even on the heliocentric model, the Earth is a ball, even by the definition of the very no, word. We just so read the definition of a ball. Just a ball is a toy. It's 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 a, it's something that's used for uh, sports. It's something that children play with. It's something that is uh, you. If you wanted to call your show honestly, you would call it the sphere Earth uh, a skepticism. Or you but NASA, does, okay, let me respond. Okay, two points. Two points. Firstly, NASA doesn't say the Earth is a sphere. They call it an oblate spheroid. Oblate. And Neil deGrasse Tyson says that it's pear shaped. Okay, but secondly, even on your own reference here, they openly say that because balls are the most familiar spherical objects to humans, the word ball is used to refer to or to describe anything spherical or near spherical. So, even on your own definition, there, if you believe in the heliocentric the heliocentric model, spinning globe model, then you do believe that the Earth is a ball, even by well, your definition. So that's very embarrassing for you, Jeffrey. Did you no, read that thing before you let's, used let's try something. Let's try a little experiment here. Um, let's look here, and we'll just go by what people would assume. I'll just put a search in here. Uh, let's see. What can I search for, John? How about I search for ball? Why don't you just search for proof that we live on a spinning ball? Why don't you just search for ball? And then we can find out what most people think is a ball. Oh, there they are. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah, very cool. On these very cool. Yeah, it does. Football, soccer like ball, tennis balls, beach like balls. All their balls, John. Lots of balls. But I don't see any planets. I don't see the Earth anywhere. All right? All I see is a lot of freaking balls. 
So what you're doing is you are manipulating words in order to denigrate the opposition so that you it makes it look like anybody who thinks the earth is actually a sphere is actually childish because of course it's not a spinning ball, as you always say. And I find it interesting because you have uh, spent the last year, most of your, your time on this uh, ball earth skepticism. And what have you concluded? Because, I mean, all this time put into it, have you yet to prove that the Earth is flat? I never said the Earth was flat, Jeffrey. You've got me all wrong. <laughs> you never said. See, it's perfect because now you are merely a ball or skeptic. You are not saying that the Earth is flat, even though you I don't have, think the Earth is flat. I think you have every flat Earth uh, operative shill that is out there on your show to promote this uh, ridiculous thing, which anybody can disprove with just a little bit of field work or just with their own very eyes. And yet day after day after day, you are challenging this. And then what is your, one of your last videos, there's 33 proofs that the earth is not flat. So if you're a baller skeptic, why are you now disproving flat earth? Okay, so can can I respond this time with that interruption? Is that okay? I've got yeah. a few points I need to make here. Okay, firstly, just with regards to the ball, I'm actually half agreeing with you. I agree that by using the term ball earth and ball earth skeptic, it's helped propagating a notion of the earth as being a ball, and it helps to make the whole thing seem as ridiculous as it is. So I agree with you about that. Where we disagree is that you think that the heliocentric model doesn't actually involve the earth being a ball, whereas the heliocentric model, based on your own definition from Wikipedia, does involve the earth being a ball. So all I'm doing is taking the official story and packaging it in a way that helps to show how ridiculous it is. So I kind of agree with you. I also kind of disagree with you. But overall, if you're giving me credit for propagating ball earth skeptic as a term, thank you. I take credit for that one. I take credit for ball earth skeptic. Deserve it fully. Well, I, I take credit for it. I think it, I, 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 love it. I don't like to brag. I don't like to brag, Jeffrey, but I do think it was a masterstroke, just personally. Yeah, but I can't, yeah, I can't take credit for ball earth because I heard that from Eric Dubay, and oh. he might have heard it from someone else. So that's the only point I want to make. But as far as Baller Skeptic goes, I take full credit. I'm taking the heliocentric model and saying, hold on, guys, this thing you're indoctrinated with from a young age, when you actually think about it, they're telling you that you live on a giant spinning ball hurtling around the sun. No, they don't, no, it's you not a ball, John. It's not a ball. It's a ball. Nobody, you can walk down the street in downtown Brisbane, and you can interview 500 people and ask them what do they live on. I guarantee you not one of them will say a ball, unless, of course, you pay someone to do so. Nobody's going to say, I live on a spinning ball. They'll say, I live yes. on a planet. And if you ask them what shape is the planet, they'll say it's a sphere or it's round. Well, it's not a sphere, so they'd be wrong. They they'd live be wrong, on they? a ball. Nobody lives Which on a ball. The moon is not a ball. Saturn is not a ball. The sun is I not agree. a ball. They're, they're, I agree. They're white. <laughs> right? The sun is so a So we can get to that. We can get to that. We can get to that. The point, look, we're arguing, like, we're not even really arguing semantics because we both agree that I have been saying it's a ball earth, ball earth skeptic. All you're trying to say is that, it's, that on the heliocentric model, it's not shaped like a ball. Whereas I'm saying, even on your own definition, it is. But we, there's no point getting sidetracked on this. You're asking me, how come I'm now coming out and putting out arguments against flat earth theory? That's because not only do I not believe in flat earth theory, I found a lot of very strong arguments against the flat earthers' arguments. And so now I'm slowly but surely exposing them one by one by one. Now, do you remember at the start of this video, mm -hmm. I talked in my opening about false dichotomies 
Yep. Guess what's happened, Jeffrey? People like yourself have fallen into this classic false dichotomy between spinning ball earth model that you're indoctrinated with at school and flat earth model. So some people have fallen on the flat earth side why. and they attack the spinning <laughs> ball earth. I wonder why. I mean, you guys have been then, working so hard at this flat earth operation. That, well, just just uh, let me speak, Jeffrey. Look, yeah. I've given you many passages of up to 10 minutes tonight. Like, like I said, I've been keeping track. You've had passages up to 10 minutes, so just let me get this out now. So what I'm trying to say to you is there's a false dichotomy going on here between the spinning ball earth they're indoctrinated with and the flat earth, it's not even really a model, the flat earth story that all of these people are now promoting on YouTube, okay? It's a classic false dichotomy. I never got sucked into it. You won't find me on the ball skeptic round table saying, oh, the earth is flat, the earth is flat. In fact, I was questioning the flat earthers on my show. And I can even go through a list with you right now, show after show, video after video, where I was explaining to people, I don't believe in the giant spinning ball model and here's why, but I also don't believe that it's flat then you come along and try and call me a flat earther to try and make me look bad or whatever. So when you say that I'm misrepresenting the Earth's shape, well, just hear me out, Jeffrey, just hear me out. When you say that I'm misrepresenting the Earth's shape, no, I'm not. Even by your own definition, the heliocentric model does say that the Earth is a ball. That's a fair representation, and it sounds absurd because it is absurd, whereas you call me a flat earther, you've got no evidence for that. I've actually done more to debunk the flat Earth theory than you have, and that must be very embarrassing (laughs) to you. Look, I mean, we, we I'm not interested in debunking ball earth or flat earth or any of this. All yes, I'm interested, all I'm interested is showing the psyops that are being used to infiltrate the new the, the truth movement and to make us look like a bunch of fucking retards. And that is the whole purpose of this baller skepticism is to make us look like drooling fucking retards so that when you know uh people are questioning 9-11 or the latest fucking isis psyop they can say well that's the ball earth group there they think or that's the not the ball earth that's the flat earth group they think the earth is flat now you have put up videos on your channel over and over again ridiculing people that believe in the ball earth you have multiple videos on your channel ridiculing people that believe in ball earth including we'll do it live over and over again including myself so you are constantly ridiculing people and look as I said, I've stated categorically, there's no fucking way we live on a ball. It's not a ball. I if 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 there's baller skepticism, I'm number one. This is not a ball. I'm telling you. You can call me a skeptic. You can call me a denier or whatever you want to say. But there's no way that we live on a spinning ball. I'll say that right away. So to use that language, and you are so careful with your your language, your semantics all the time. And you have admitted now that you have, you know, been using this term to belittle the whole round earth argument, the whole thing that we live on a planet. And this is a form of manipulation. And that what you're doing is you're leading people and you're trying to ridicule those of us out there that think that this whole thing is a psyop. And my whole purpose when we did the podcast exposing the ball earth or the ball earth, I keep saying it now, the flat earth psyop is not, I'm not here to be the scientist that explains to you the shape of the earth. And when, when uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson says it's, it's a pear shape and somebody else says it's oblate, that's the same thing. All right. When he says pear shape, he's probably not meaning the entire pear. He's meaning the bottom part of it where the equator is wider than the, the poles essentially. And it's not perceptible from probably not very perceptible perceptible uh from space and stuff like that but either way i'm digressing on that but the thing is is this i come in to expose the psyop that is the flat earth 
movement that is here. Now, there are genuine people in the flat earth uh, movement, and many of them now think that shills have invested or infested this movement, including many of them seem to think that you are a shill uh, part of this whole thing to in, in, infest the flat earth movement and, you know, sabotage whatever they're doing. I don't know. But I find it interesting that even the flat earthers seem to be able to smell people like you out. What you are doing with your ball earth skepticism is quite astonishing. And I think it's an absolute playbook for how the New World Order will try to cognitively infiltrate truther groups and use the number one weakness of truthers, which is their ignorance. Uh, truthers, many truthers, as you have stated, take things at face value, never do their own research. Remember the JLB 991 principle where 1% of people actually go and do the research? Well, I wouldn't go that high, but I, I mean, or that low, but I would say that you are right in a sense that many truthers just take things at face value and they don't do further investigation. I think one of the tr- cruelest tricks that could be played on the truther movement is to try to get them to devote themselves to this idea that we live in a dome and the planet is flat and the stars are just lights in the sky and the sun is only a few thousand miles away and all this stuff and you're all being duped. And I have seen this thing explode. I have no doubt whatsoever that this whole ball earth, flat earth thing is a massive psyop. And I think that they are uh, adapting their game. You guys are adapting your game. You are seeing how we react to this. And you're seeing that it won't fly in certain truth circles, but in other truth circles, it goes like wildfire. And now it seems like it's puttering out. So I really think... I'm only interested in exposing the psyops of the New World Order, and I believe that this whole flat earth thing that you guys are pushing is one of those psyops. All right. Well, just let me respond. I won't take too long, but there's a few points I do need to get out. So firstly, you say that I've admitted now that I'm using the ball earth uh, term to um, to help propagate the idea of it being a ball earth. Well, I'm not admitting it now. I've, I took credit for this months ago. I'm very proud of it. Like you say it like it's a bad thing. I think it's a very clever thing. The heliocentric model says we live on a ball. It's absurd. So show the absurdity. And then you say, oh, if you ask people on the street, do we live on a ball? They'd say no. If you ask people on the street, do we live on a pear-shaped object? They'd say no. But guess what? Neil deGrasse Tyson says that we do. So you're going to have to get your story straight here, Jeffrey. Do, do we believe NASA or do we believe our senses or do we believe the people on the street? You need to be consistent here, my friend. Now, you say that you're not here to be the scientist. Do you actually believe in people like Neil deGrasse Tyson? Do you actually let him tell you the, the shape of the earth on which you live just because he's on TV or because he has a PhD behind his name or whatever the case may be? Is that well, actually how you do your thinking? Well, just let me get these out, Jeffrey. These are some of the questions that I've got in my mind. While I'm listening to you. Now, as far as the baller skeptic stuff goes, let me just read out a quick list here, okay? I first spoke to Mark Sargent on March 22 of last year, okay? That was on Fakeologist. This was real, this is very early because Sargent released his um, clues back in February, February 8, 9, 10, around there. So on March 22, I spoke with Mark Sargent on an impromptu Fakeologist audio chat that's available on my channel. Even as early as that time, I was questioning him about his stories. He was being questioned about things about his stories about Admiral Byrd, how much can we trust? I mean, supposedly this Admiral Byrd guy, he's a huge part of the Flat Earthers story because supposedly he went down to Antarctica and found the wall. And part of the Flat Earthers evidence for this is that he was on TV. He did a big TV interview saying that Antarctica is full of all these minerals and we'll all be down there. And then next thing, no one goes there. 
So then the story goes, oh, well, obviously they found the edge of the dome or they found a wall or something, and so um, that's why we can't go down there and blah, 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 right? That's a big part of their story. Well, I was questioning Mark about that as early as March last year. So you say, oh, John, you're pushing flat earth, pushing flat earth. Dude, I've been doing the opposite the whole time. I've actually been surprised that more people can't see it. Now, you mentioned, oh, now the flat earthers are turning on you, on you Jono, because now now they think that you've you've been sent to infiltrate them. Don't you find it amazing that I've got spinning ball earthers like yourself and flat earthers both attacking me as being a paid shill? Now, what, it's, what, what is it? If I'm a paid shill, if someone's paid me to come here, what exactly have they paid me to do to explain why the spinning ball earth model doesn't work and the flat earth model doesn't work? How does that help the agenda? Like, can you see how none of if you're... None of what you're saying fits with the, whatever you said five minutes ago, okay? If I'm a paid shill, explain, and you can't prove that I'm paid or a shill, but at least come up with a consistent idea of what it is you think I'm being paid to do here. That at least would be a good sure. start. So let's go through the list here. Fakeologist, Mark Sargent, March 22, right? Baller Skeptic Roundtable, Episode 1 with D. Murphy. This was on June 14, more than six months ago, right? The first episode of Baller Skeptic Roundtable. We didn't know it would be as popular as it was. We didn't know it would go for 12 episodes, right? It was really just a bit of fun at the time, and it turned out to be very successful, so we kept going with it. We get D. Murphy on. I've never spoken to him. He's apparently a friend of David Weiss. He jumps on there, and he says to me live on the air that you can't fly from Australia to uh, to South Africa or vice versa. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you can, bro, because I've done it. I flew from Johannesburg to Australia back in 2010, I'd go. I've gone over to South Africa to go on exchange for six months. Right, I was at university at the time. I'd come back. Right, I'd come back after the, the World Cup because that was on at the same time. I flew myself from Johannesburg. I flew like I flew personally from Johannesburg to Perth. Perth is on our west coast, nonstop. Okay, I'd done that, and I was like, "What are you talking about? You can't fly." Like, yes, you can. I've done it, and he challenged me live on the air. So what I had to do was put myself on mute, go and get my itinerary from my wardrobe because I still keep the itinerary. I still. Like to look back on photos and shit from that trip. I said, hey, listen, I've got the itinerary here. It took like nine hours to fly that trip, right? So I was debunking flat earth arguments from the first baller skeptic roundtable episode, right? People like yourself might not have noticed that. Maybe you weren't paying attention. But there's the 1% of people paying attention, they've all noticed this. And that's why none of them got sucked into flat earth, the flat earth meme from the start. They could see right from the start what I was doing, which was saying, hey, I can see the spinning ball earth model doesn't work. It's got so many problems. I'll talk about those again in a moment. But what I also noticed was that I wasn't buying this flat earth notion because there were too many problems with it. And what I've noticed is that over time, I've found more and more problems with both spinning ball and with flat earth. So let's keep going through the list here. Ball Earth Skeptic Roundtable, episode seven. Stinky Cash was our guest. Now, he seems like a cool guy. Lately, he's been just being very belligerent, saying nasty things about me. I think he's called me a page chill as well, actually. But at the time, he seemed like a pretty cool guy. I pointed out to him what live on that show the Ushuaia problem, which I've never heard you speak about. But for me, this is one of the biggest problems with the flat earth story. This idea that down there in this southern city in South America, they've got supposedly, according to time and date, they've got like 17 hours of sunlight during their summer. Now, we don't know if time and date can be trusted on this one, but if time and date is correct, how can the azimuthal equidistant projection, which is what a lot of these flat earthers are saying is their map, how can that possibly account... Are you going to let me speak, Jeffrey? I've been well, very patient. It's the same map and that is... you've been promoting. I mean, you're talking total bullshit. I mean, you've been promoting flat earth. When did I promote that map? You've, been, you've had a map in the background. You're holding it up. You put it up. You've got videos of it falling on you. The aquidis, uh, the equal azimuth, equal distant map. Um, I mean, you, 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 this is what the game that you're playing. I'll just explain it to the folks that are listening. I know that you'll deny it and all that. But what you are going to let me finish first? No, no, no I'm to, it's going on long enough. You just let me finish, and then you can respond. Okay. The point I was going to make was back on July 22, 
I was pointing out problems with that azimuthal equidistant thing, the Ushuaia problem. And you know why that happens? Because in the live chat, a guy, I think it was Jordan Rains, it might have been someone else, but someone brought up Ushuaia, so I looked into it further. Sure enough, hey, I, this is a very good argument against a flat earth. So by doing this kind of show, people are putting out objections, putting out ideas as a collaborative thing. This is what a truth community or movement would be if it were legitimate. Then I did my moonlight cold experiment back on August 4 because all the flat earthers were saying, oh, moonlight's cold. You can measure it. It's so much colder. You can measure it. So I went and did the experiment. You can see this on my channel for yourself. My experiment came back and said, nope, I can't, I can't find any proof that the moonlight's cold. Now, in, in fairness, it wasn't the most rigorous scientific of experiments. But when all of the other people were coming back and saying, oh, I've, I've proven that the, the moonlight's cold, I was the one who came out and said, uh, nope, I've done the experiment. I can't prove that it's cold. That was on August 4. Then I had my ball earth debate with Scully on August 11, which was embarrassing for anybody involved with him and anybody calling themselves a heliocentrist. Then ball earth skeptic roundtable episode 11. I had an open invitation to you, Jeffrey, to the rest of your will do it live crew. I said, hey, you want to come on and prove that we're on a flat earth? Uh, come and do it. You've got an open invitation. I never heard from you. Never heard from the rest of your will do it live crew. Did hear from a couple of uh, ball earthers. They came on the show. They embarrassed themselves. That was a disaster for them. Then the Ball Earth Skeptic Roundtable episode 12, that was on August 26. We had hundreds of live listeners, thousands of views. I could have kept the show going because I was getting, uh, we're having plenty of success, but you know what? I was finished with the topic. By that stage, I knew we weren't living on a giant spinning ball, or if we are, there's no evidence for it, but that the flat earth model has too many problems that aren't being answered. I wanted to move on to new topics, but I didn't completely leave this topic behind. Gino's flat earth experiment. Gino's one of the fellows who I met down there in Melbourne. Really cool guy. He went out and spent $700 or something like this for one of those Canon P90, whatever. Nick and Canon, one of those cameras. Anyway, he did a, an experiment over like 34, 36 miles across Port Phillip Bay in Melbourne to see if he could see the city, which on a ball you shouldn't be able to see, but on flat you should be able to see. Well, guess what? He, he determined, based on what he'd done, that the earth wasn't flat, that he'd proven it, right? Now, at the time, I didn't fully agree with his conclusion. I thought that it was kind of a little bit inconclusive, but I promoted his work. Guess what? That was the first video I ever did that got more thumbs down than thumbs up. Why? Because the flat earthers didn't like me questioning the, the notion that we live on a flat earth. They didn't like me promoting Gino's video. So they gave me lots of downvotes. They went to his channel. Many of them gave him lots of downvotes. But so far, no one's managed to debunk Gino. He did the footage. He spent the money. He's a cool guy. That's the kind of research we're talking about. That's real investigation, not just calling people names, actually going and doing the experiments, right? So I copped heat for that. Then I did my Ball Earth Maths series, right? A four-part series took me hours and hours. I estimate about 30 to 40 hours of solid research, sitting down, doing the maths, geometry, trigonometry, stuff that I haven't done since first year uni, sitting down, relearning it to do a series saying, is the eight inches per mile squared actually legitimate? Turns out that it is, but only for curvature, not for obstruction. Because a lot of flat earthers are using the curvature formula for obstruction, but they're different. The moment you start going up even a couple of meters, the amount that's going to be obstructed on a ball becomes less and less. So you're going to find videos from flat earthers saying, look, look how much we can see. That eight inches per mile squared, you shouldn't be able to see that much. Well, actually, yes, you would even on a ball because you're not at surface level. You're 50 meters up, right? So these are the kind of comments that I've been leaving on the flat earthers channels. I've been saying, hey, listen, you're using the formula wrong, right? but I haven't called them names and I haven't attacked them. I've said politely, listen, I think you might be using the wrong formula. Here's why. Because that's what the smart man does. He doesn't go around calling people names, doing podcasts, getting angry at people, spitting the dummy. He says, hey, listen, I've done the research. I've done the maths. I've done the videos. I think you might be in the wrong here. Go and check it out. So that Ball Earth Math series, that's one of 
that's one of the proudest things I've ever done. I've sat down and done the maths. Have you? No, you haven't. Now, moving on. Impromptu chat number four, which you can see there on the screen. And thank you for screen sharing this. I appreciate yep, that. No I had an impromptu chat. I was chatting with Matrix, right? Matrix was on the show with me. He's a really cool guy, a really nice guy, right? We used to do these things called impromptu chats. Next thing, we're doing an impromptu. This is Jeff and me sitting there on Skype, and he's like, do you want to go live? And I'm like, sure, let's go live. What the hell, right? I used to have a lot more time back then than I have now. So I was like, sure, what the hell, let's go live. So anyway, we go live. Next thing, David Weiss wants to join in. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. And I had said to Matrix before the show, hey, listen, man, I'm not sure, because we were just chatting on Skype and I was telling him my views about the Flat Earth so-called community at the time. And he was like, hey, man, we should go live. I'm like, dude, I don't really think people want to hear what I have to say, to be honest. He's like, no, let's go live. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I was airing my open criticisms of this Flat Earth so-called movement where there were all these leaders saying, oh, this is going to change the world. This is going to change everything. Tell your friends, tell your family. This is going to change the whole world overnight. I'm like, this is do you really do you guys really believe this stuff? Anyway, next thing we get Patricia Steer joined us. Patricia Steer from Flat Earth and Other Hot Potatoes. I get a thing in the sidebar of the of the hangout of Skype. Hey, is it okay if Patricia joins? And I was like, oh sure. I, I, she seems like a nice lady. She can join. So when I had Patricia Steer and David Weiss, two of the biggest flat earthers on YouTube today, live on my show, I said to them straight up, "Isn't this all getting a little bit culty?" You're telling people this is going to change the world. This is just like Jeff C's hoax-busting community where everyone bought into that emotionally. Look what happened there. The whole thing went to shit. The same thing could happen here. Why are you selling people this idea that Flat Earth is going to change the world? And why aren't you guys doing more research? Most Flat Earthers aren't doing any research. You know what they said to me? Oh, we don't need to do research. There are other people who can do research. We just present the ideas and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, whatever. The point I'm trying to make to you here, Jeffrey, and to all of your listeners is that I was live on the air months ago calling out this flat earth so-called movement for what it was. Even by that stage, it was getting very culty. But to their credit, David and Patricia and Matrix, they were polite, they were civil. We were able to have a conversation and it was an enjoyable conversation, but I got my points out. It was like, guys, you're not even doing the experiments. And, And look, like you can see there on that screen there, this was just after my Ball Earth Math series. After I'd spent literally 30 to 40 hours, and that's, I don't fuck around on Facebook, man. I don't waste time. And I'm doing research. I'm doing research, man. That was a solid two weeks, like to find 40 hours. That's, that's a fortnight of sitting down, relearning maths, scripting it, recording it, doing all the screenshots, man. That took me a lot of time. I was very proud of it. But then I realized none of the flatters wanted to see that. They're not interested in, most of them aren't interested in research. They're interested in the feelings. Like they like the feeling of flat earth, right? And that's when it really started to dawn on me, which is why I brought all this up in that impromptu chat. So anyway, I brought that up with Steer and Weiss and uh, Matrix Decode live on the airwaves. This is after everyone's forgotten about you and we'll do it live and all of your so-called debunking. You guys made no impact, but at least with me, with my video, I was getting the idea out there. Hey, guys, they're saying the flat earth is going to change the world. What's their evidence? Are you guys going to hold them to account? But I wasn't finished yet. You can see there that I did Oz to South America flights kill the AE flat earth map. So I found this video footage of someone who purportedly had flown from Australia to South America or vice versa, because even though I'd already debunked the no flights from South Africa to Australia claim that from Africa to Australia, even though I debunked that months ago, it was still up in the air. Do these flights actually exist from Australia to South America? We didn't know. Well, I found this footage from some other flat earther and I was like, hey, this, and he was showing it because it showed that the gyroscope didn't accord with the ball earth model, right? But I don't think what he realized that by using that footage, he was still getting it out there that this flight exists in the first place. So I made that video saying, hey, guys, does this flight that you're using as proof against gyroscopes, doesn't it kind of disprove the no flights between Australia and South America thing? I didn't say that it definitely does because I'm still at the time I was like, well, I believe that these flights exist. I've spoken to people who say that these flights exist, but I can't prove it definitively. But I believe they exist. So I put the idea out there. So, again, this was yet another flat earth argument. 
that I was helping to debunk. Then, just what, a week or so later, you can see that one there, should distant objects tilt away on the ball earth? Because you'll find all these flat earthers saying, oh, look at this footage, how come the buildings aren't tilting away? Well, even if we did live on a ball, the, the, the way that it works is over 34 miles or 36 miles, the tilt would be imperceptible. It'd be like one degree. There's no way you could tell. So that's a bad flat earth argument. Oh, so yeah, on and on this is gone. How long are you going to go on for? Because this is like 20 minutes now that you've been rambling. Well, I don't think it's 20 minutes. You're going, you're going through your entire history. You're looking at every video. You're explaining the entire operation that you've been doing. You've been showing how you've been disproving all these flat earth things when, you know, everybody knows from the beginning you were mocking everyone that thought that the earth was a sphere. And that's I still mock them. I still yeah, mock still, them. Still yeah, mock. yeah that, that's yeah. really smart. Um, anyways. The whole, the whole point is it's so convenient that for so long you push the flat earth, flat earth, flat earth, and then all of a sudden you spin around and now you're disproving the flat earth over and over and over again. And that's why the flat earthers, the true flat earthers, who probably aren't the sharpest blades in the rack, um, are out there questioning what you are. And I don't blame them because I've seen what you have done. You've got videos up here, for instance, like this Rista leaves the cult behind and shit like that, where you're just mocking people that think that the earth is a planet. And let's not call it a ball or a spinning ball. Let's just call it a planet, right? Let's call it, call it what it is. So you're, you're, you're mocking people that actually think that we live on a fucking planet. When every piece of evidence that is out there supports it, and you now all of a sudden are using all that strong evidence. You actually went around. Don't interrupt. You went for like 20 minutes. Don't interrupt. Don't even dream of interrupting right now. You went around over and over again trying to raise funds so that you could prove that these that you can't take a plane around the world. You were going around saying, I want to travel to here and travel to there and prove this. So what you've done essentially with this operation that you guys have carried out, you start off, of course, you know, acting like you're flat earthers, and then you have all the flat earthers, the Mark Sargents, the Eric Dubays, the Jaronism, all these shill guys that are out there that are all part of this operation, all started up at the same time. Eric Dubay came out of nowhere overnight and became a sensation on the internet. How does that happen? That's because it's meant to happen. I watched the birth of this uh, renaissance of the flat earth. I saw it emerge before my very eyes. You know why? Because I was watching all the accounts that were pushing the uh, Transasia, the most provable plane crash in the history of the year, uh, world, including yourself, who are pushing that event as a hoax, which is the dumbest thing ever. You people brought that psyop into the truth movement in order to take advantage and to divide and conquer and to, you know, try to ruin the reputation of people like myself. Well, it didn't work, of course, at all, because I come out looking great because I called the event exactly as it was. There is not one shred of proof to prove that Transasia was staged. There's absolutely nothing. You know this. This is why you didn't want to talk about it tonight. I watched this, that operation come to an end, and it came to an end just shortly after I stopped covering it because that was the whole purpose of that thing, to come after me and others and divide the truth movement sort of thing and make us all look like we're a bunch of fucking drooling retards. Um, and I watched all of you switch over, whether it's deep inside P. Gay's hole 
whether it's uh, yourself, all these other channels that were involved in TransAsia, Russian vids, all these shill channels, all of a sudden started putting up all these flat earth, like one after another after another. I watched the whole thing. I documented it. I actually have videos documenting this, which I've never released. So be careful where you go when you're, you're, you're talking about how wonderful you've been and disproving that the earth is flat. This whole thing is nothing but a giant psyop. Anybody with half a brain can see exactly what you are up to. What you are up to is no good. You are coming in, pushing all this bullshit, attacking people for thinking that we live on a planet, ridiculing people over and over again in your videos, saying that we're complete disinfo, that we don't do any work, and that we're here to propagate the lies of NASA and it's NASA science and none of the science and all the things that we did when we did our, our, our uh, uh, flat earth debunked. And we did that because we had to, because the whole thing went crazy. There are now millions of videos on YouTube on flat earth. There's probably like three or four an hour that go up. It is absolutely out of this world. How huge this, this, this psyop was. And so we had to react at some point. We reacted. We brought an astronomer on. We went through all the major points. We proved everything. And yet you guys just laugh it off, say it's NASA science, of course, because that's all you're supposed to push this mean. You're supposed to go and show and try to prove to people that the earth isn't round. And then now you're switched back after all these months hammering away at this ball earth, which is just ludicrous. It's the dumbest name ever. You you, you should be calling it a sphere earth, um, not a ball, but that's all purposeful. That's all language that you're using in order to denigrate and to divide and conquer. This whole purpose of this flat earth psyop is to infiltrate the truth movement, make us all divided, make us fucking, you know, look like a bunch of drooling retards because that's the ultimate objective. Because the information that we're releasing, when we're exposing all these psyops, for instance, like while you're doing all this ball earth, I'm exposing all the media psyops. I'm exposing things like the vaccination agenda. I'm exposing, um, you know, the, the, the fake shootings that are going on. I'm exposing all these different things that are going on. And you guys are putting all this crap out in order to make us all look like a bunch of retards. And that was the whole purpose so that when anybody gets confronted with, say, 9-11 truth or anything dealing with the truth that's counter to the corporate media, that they instantly turn and say, you're one of those, you're a flat earther. And you have cleverly used the language to cover up what you're really doing. You have used this baller skeptic. Oh, I'm just merely a skeptic. I don't really believe, you know, the earth is flat. That's a clever, clever ruse, John, but it's not working. It doesn't work at all on me. It didn't work for one minute on me. If it's working on some of the foolish people that are out there, that's up to them. I mean, I can't fix stupid. You can't fix stupid. I think you have contempt for a lot of your listeners. I honestly, I know you well enough, John. I mean, we've talked enough times. I know you're no dummy. And I don't believe for a minute that you actually believe all the shit that you're pushing on your channel. And I see the intent that you have. And I think this is a shill operation. And that's why I called you out dealing with this. And then of course you have the gall to actually come out, put out a bunch of videos saying that shills don't exist. It's just an imagination. It's something that we've made up in order to, uh, you know, uh, popularize our channels and get it, gain an audience because they can't put out real stuff and all this. It's all ludicrous, John. 
I see through it all, and I'm sure most of my listeners see through it all. I admire you for coming on. I'm glad that you came on to discuss your point of view and and argue. Well, can I just respond this? to a couple of things? There's just a couple of things that do oh. need to be responded to. There, you say that you don't think that I believe what I say I believe. Like what? Give me one example of something that I've said that I believe that you don't believe I believe. Just one example. I, I don't think that you you think that the Earth isn't round. I don't think that you. I I I think that you know that the Earth is a planet, and I think that uh, you're you're just doing this as a. As what a, made you think that? So even though I've spent all this time debunking the spinning ball model, what what have I said or done that makes you think that I still believe we live in a spinning I, ball? I know people. Uh, you know, like I'm a good judge of character, and I, I talked with you a lot, especially when you first came on the scene. We did a lot of shows together. I knew that you weren't a dummy. And when TransAsia happened, that's why I, I clued into what you were. And I realized that you were a destructive force, that you were here to cause this division. And that is what, and then, uh, as I said, I mean, I've seen all this emerge. Uh, and I could do this in a video, and I, maybe I will, I, if I find it important enough. Well, I hope you do. Expose the whole flat earth operation as it happened, as it manifested right before my eyes. I watched it, you know, birth out of the ashes of TransAsia. I watched it. So therefore, I believe that TransAsia was a lead up to this flat earth. I think you guys went to the boardroom. You came up with this flat earth thing and you came up with strategies and how who was going to push it, how they were going to push it. And this one works perfect for you because you can walk away saying, well, I was never a, a flat earther. In fact, I went and debunked all the flat earth stuff, even though you've got these videos with your flat earth map in the background and all this. Anybody can go back and listen to these, by the way, how you're ridiculing. We'll do it live. How you're ridiculing anybody i mean you've got videos up here that are just making fun of people that think that we live on a planet and of course you spin the language every time to say it's a spinning ball a spinning ball you know and that's all a method of you know manipulation essentially and i find it really really disingenuous uh, quite evil and i i would well, like to think i would like to think that that's a huge claim you no, say no, no, i'm no, trying no, to no, raise funds i never raised this you can come back let me finish okay let me finish i don't hate you john i've never hated you all right i i when you came on the scene i was like this guy is going to be good i i really believed in you and that's why i promoted you and that's why i had you on the show and that's why i went on your show and helped you gain an audience and all that and that's why i feel very responsible for what is going on now because and that is why i've taken a very different approach to all this and that's why i'm saying people don't think of this ever as a community you shouldn't know everybody you should be very careful with your information you should be careful about the channels you should follow you're following you should Research everything yourself. You should, you know, do this work, uh, you know, carefully and and really, you know, have accountability uh, of what misinformation you put up. Um, you can go back and play all your early, early videos where you are so certain that the earth isn't round. And now you're disproving that. I, look, I don't, I'm still you. I don't hate you, John. I, I still hold out the hope that you know that you're going to come forth and you're going to explain what you guys have been up to, and and that would be a really good thing, and 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 if you do that, you know, please contact me back because I'd, I'd love to have you on to discuss what your operation was. I think there's still good in you, John. It's just you know, uh, I, unfortunately, I had to come out 
and show what you were doing. And I'm, I'm thankful that you came on and I felt that I owed it to you at the very minimum to get your point of view across, even though I know how you manipulate and you're very clever. You've done a lot of it tonight and all that, but ultimately well, I do have to respond to a couple of things, okay. just a couple of minutes to respond to a couple. Firstly, you've said that I was raising funds for a flight. I never accepted a single cent. I had many people offering me money. I probably could have, if I had to try to promote it, I probably could have, could have got a free trip to South America out of it, but I decided not to. I decided that it wasn't necessary. I thanked people for their offers of money. I never took so much as a cent. So you're misrepresenting me there straight up. As with regards to TransAsia, well, I was there happy to debate you a year yeah. I was there happy to debate you a year ago. You didn't turn up. You had your own problems. That's fine. I'm not mocking you for that. But don't try and say that I didn't want to talk about TransAsia tonight. I was there a year ago. You, you didn't want to talk about tonight. Simple as that. You told me. As, I, you've as, got, as, I'm not going to show your private message, but you said you had no interest whatsoever in talking about TransAsia. And I don't blame you. Yeah, I literally said I have no interest in talking about TransAsia. was Keep it in context. I wanted to talk tonight about the proofs for or against the flat earth. Now, isn't it funny that tonight I've spent more time debunking the flat earth theory tonight than you have. Isn't I that fascinating? I didn't come here to debunk the flat earth. There's, that's the last thing I, I wanted to do. All I'm doing is showing you that this is a psyop. That's so so whereas over the last 12 months, people like you have sat there and said, oh, they're trying to divide us. They're trying to divide us. They're yes. trying to divide us. They're coming after us. People like me have said, well, what are the good arguments for and against the ball earth and the flat earth? And we've made videos. So which one of us do you think is actually doing the dividing? The one constantly talking about the psychological operation, how people have to get us, or the people actually doing the empirical investigations, doing the mathematics, doing the proper research and presenting it? Which one of us is doing the actual dividing? Well, A couple yeah, more things. Firstly, I do want to <laughs> – firstly, I can see you need to wrap up the show, and I, I understand that. Let me say thank you. I think tonight we didn't really get that heated. There were a couple of periods where maybe yeah. we probably could have been a bit more calm, but – I yeah. think a lot of people are expecting this to be like a, a shit fight or whatever. And for the most part, it's been pretty good. For the most part, we haven't interrupted each other. You did let me spend a solid 10 or 15 minutes talking about the videos that I've made debunking flat earth arguments. So I appreciate you giving me the open air to do that. Obviously, on the Sunday sessions, episode 13, which is still available on my channel, when you came on, we gave you 10 or 15 minutes to speak for your introduction. Yeah. Yeah. And then we gave you plenty of opportunity to explain yourself. Yeah, that's why I, 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 I brought you on, by the way, just so you know, because you gave me that opportunity. So I, I, I appreciated that, and I felt yeah. that I owed you the same. Okay? Go no, ahead. I do appreciate that. So, so let me wrap up. I understand that you've probably got to get to bed or whatever over there in Canada. So let me just, just wrap up by saying when yeah. you mentioned the watchers, that group who yeah. you had spying on me, obviously that all came out. The people on your show will do it live. They later on came out and said that you'd encourage them to – spy on me specifically and that the whole episode dedicated to debunking flat earth they all said they didn't want to do it but you twisted their arms so when you and this, is what they, this is what this is what I, they've said it's all, it's all in public yes. I'm, it's very, all in public I'm actually record. very proud of of the watchers i didn't do anything there all we did was watch that's what it was it was just to watch in fact uh, there's nothing there that i'm the least i mean i was wrong on a few things for sure i'm always wrong on things in fact i make mistakes I, i'm not afraid to admit it and people that know me know that i pulled down dozens of videos off my channels because of mis erroneous elements that are in the videos and i like i can't run with this all right um now, yeah, but anyway, just, just, yeah, I'll just finish my goodbye. Like I said, I, I, at the end of, like, obviously we disagree on a lot of things. I was actually expecting that the second hour tonight we'd talk about Flat Earth and we could actually have fun both discussing our best arguments against Flat Earth. That's what I would prefer to have done. Obviously, I've got a chance to go through my arguments against Flat Earth. You haven't taken the opportunity to do that, but that's fine. Hopefully, some of the listeners who haven't previously checked out my channel might now understand that people say that I'm a Flat Earther. Actually, I've given you almost 12 months of history to the contrary. And if you're interested, go and check it out. Remember, 
false dichotomies. People want you to fall into either Labour or Liberal, Democrats, Republicans, Labour, Tories, Red, Blue. They want you to believe in spinning ball earth or flat earth. You don't have to pick one of those options. You can just decide to go with your senses and your senses tell you that you're not spinning, but there's, there's the senses also tell you that the earth is not flat. Okay. So go with your senses, just go with you're your not senses. spinning, but the earth is not your flat. And your, your, your own perception. Don't use anything else. Uh, don't believe any NASA science uh, because it's all lies. Well, you can believe uh, it if it actually is scientific. <laughs> John, scientific method uh, is good, but uh, a lot of NASA science isn't legitimate. I mean, either you believe in the moon landings or you don't. If you don't believe in the moon landings, then obviously you've got some more research to do. But yeah. for those who are interested, I have got an after show starting on my channel, John LeBon Extra, in 30 minutes. The live chat's already in operation, so you can go and check that out. That's John LeBon Extra. That'll be in about 30 minutes' time, 1 p.m. my time. Thank you, Jeffrey, for having me on. Hopefully one day in the future we can catch up for a beer that we know curb stomping. We can have a laugh and we can. <laughs> no, there won't be. And and I, I thank you, John. You've been a good sport for the most part. And, uh, you know, I understand, you know, like you got to do what you got to do. Um, I just really hope that you one day come out and, and, and you know, uh, do the right thing. Uh, but for no, now, one day you stop being scared, Jeffrey. You deserve to be happy oh, with your life. And you sound like very scared and very, very concerned. And I think you deserve to be happy, man. And I used to be like you because of you largely, but I feel better now. <laughs> no one's coming to get me. You used to be like me because of me. I love it. I, I love it. You, you really I, have. Me to be I, mean, scared, I, I have yeah. such power. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You had me very uh, scared that the shields were coming to get me, but there's there's no shields coming to get me. The only people who are attacking me is my old friend Jeffrey. And like I said, one I day maybe we can... Dude, I'm, I'm, I have one more video, which is going to be on the Delphi technique, which I may use a little bit of, of your stuff, but it's mostly not going to be you. That's it. I'm done with that. So uh, I've said my piece. You've said your piece. I imagine you'll say a lot more tonight on your on your podcast, and that's your right to do so. And, oh, you're uh, welcome to join us. I know it's a bit late. Your time. No, no, well. yeah, I appreciate that, but no, I think I had enough for tonight, but uh, I do appreciate it. I, I think a good debate is a healthy thing, and I think people hopefully learned a lot tonight about cognitive infiltration and how it works and all that. And that was my objective dealing with this. But first and foremost, I wanted to give you a chance because, uh, and I think that's important, you know, at the end of the day, John, you know, we can agree to disagree on, on many things, but at least we came together and have had a civil conversation, didn't scream at each other. Maybe a few moments we got, we got heated, but you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're human beings and we got to remember that always and try to at least, uh, you know, like I believe saying what you say, what you would say to somebody to their face, not just going behind your back and stuff like that. So I appreciate it that you came on and, and that you stood up uh, for yourself tonight. And I thank you. Um, I do believe that you're a cognitive infiltrator and I don't recommend that anybody uh, go and follow you, but I appreciate you for coming on. Uh, so thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, mate. I appreciate it. I'm going to leave now and, um, yeah, best of luck with everything and maybe we'll Thank touch base again soon. Okay. You take care. Thanks so much. Cheers, Have a good one. All right. That was pretty long. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. And, and, uh, it's very interesting. John is, is, uh, a very good speaker. He's, he's quite a challenge because he, he throws a lot of different things at you and he has a way of manipulating the argument. And that's what I'm going to show with the Delphi technique. Um, and, and I don't think John is evil. I just think that he is a cognitive infiltrator and I've said it many times and I'm glad I was able to say it to him directly. And I know I probably said it to him before, uh, but that is my belief. And I think there's a lot of evidence to support that. 
And, uh, you know, it's important for me. I know there, there's a big audience tonight. We had a, at one point 250 people. There's over 200 people listening right now. I thank you all for coming in. I'm sorry there's no chat, but that's the way these shows are going to go from now on because they do get shilled for high to high heaven sort of thing. But, um, you, you know, I think we're dealing with somebody who is well-trained in the art of manipulation and the art of conversation and somebody that is using what you call the Delphi technique to always – you know, uh, bring the argument around in their favor sort of thing to, to constantly lure you into exactly where they want to lure you in. So it's when I, when I do debate John, I have to have my guard up because uh, I realize I'm being baited a lot of times to, to fall into these traps. And as you heard, what John was trying to say is that he has been spending all this time uh, doing the baller skepticism, but that he actually doesn't believe the earth is flat and he doesn't, I don't think he knows what he believes. I think he does believe that we live on a planet. I just think that's the act sort of thing. And uh, I think if you go back and you listen to his videos, especially all the early ones dealing with the baller skepticism, you will hear the tone and the approach that he takes towards people that believe that the earth is round. And it's uh, it's very condescending. It's very dismissive it's uh it's <laughs> right chilling to be perfectly honest and i i'm not the least bit surprised that eventually he swung around and started uh disproving all the flat earth theories that are out there that are so easily debunkable by anybody with a third grade education and um that is so he can probably save some face and and say well all along i wasn't a uh, i wasn't a flat earther but Really, the the bigger picture about this whole thing is that these are the psyops that they're going to try to do on the uh, truth movement, and people have to be cognitive of it. I didn't go through and show all the uh, proof that I have of cognitive infiltrator because I wanted to give John the chance to defend himself, respond to all the things that I had said. Uh, but I highly encourage you to go listen to the last couple live shows that I did, especially the last one if you really want to see – how I just rip apart his argument that there's no proof whatsoever that uh, online shills exist and, and it's all just a figment of our imagination and it's all just used by people like myself in order to garner an audience and it's catchy and people want to feel that way. It makes them feel like they're important and that they're actually doing something. It's all, it's all garbage. It's just total bullshit. It's laughable. If you don't think in this day and age – with the uh, surveillance network that is laid out and all the back doors that the NSA and the GCHQ and the CSEC and all these uh, uh, spying Orwellian, um, you know, governmental agencies have and the power and how much we know that they're collecting everyone's data and everything that they're doing. If you don't think for a minute that they aren't concerned about people who are exposing what they're up to, you're dreaming in technicolor, plain and simple. So people really need to wake up to this type of manipulation and understand that we can all be victims of this. If you don't protect yourself, you have to protect yourself. It's not about you can't, you know, socialize in truth or networks. And I know there's a lot of that going on. And there was a lot more of that going on back when there was a thing called the community. And that was all bad news, essentially. I mean, there was good that came out of it. There's a lot of good people that I've met. There's a lot of great people out there that I, I, I truly do respect uh, for the work that they do and the chances that they take in revealing what the new world order is up to. But John LeBon is definitely not one of them. I think he is a cognitive infiltrator. And I think his ultimate purpose is to come in here and sabotage what we have achieved 
And that's why I'm hoping, uh, you know, if he's still listening, of course, I said it to him, to his face. And I feel glad that I did, that I'm hoping that he will flip at some point and and show us what what they're doing because that would be a real ace in the hole for us for this movement to understand how cognitive infiltration works and to uh see one of our own essentially come out and admit what they have been doing but i think anybody that that's it's intelligent enough that spends enough time uh looking at a character like uh john lebond can quickly deduce that he is a manipulator and uh that makes him somewhat dangerous in you know that's just the way I see it. And you're free to disagree. I'm going to leave the comments open. Um, if you, you know, slander, outright slander, well, that's, you know, that's not going to be accepted. John does have the permission to upload this to his channel. After after all, he was half the show. And uh, I think it was an entertaining show. I'm glad there was a big audience to tune in for this. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it, it was fun somewhat. <laughs> I'd rather be discussing other things, but I, I kind of had to do this at, at some point. And there's a lot to take out of that. I think uh, we found a lot of interesting things about John LeBon, how he's very concerned about his own information leaking on the internet. He's using a pseudonym. And of course he is named after Gustav LeBon. So a lot of the things that I already showed you and, and speculated about have been confirmed. Uh, 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 dealing with John LeBon. I think he's someone that's well-educated in uh, manipulation, crowd manipulation. And I think that's why he's well-versed in, in Edward Bernays and Gustave LeBon and, and all these, um, you know, basic crowd psychology masters that existed and worked for the New World Order to help bring in this New World Order. And I think they know exactly what they're doing. So uh, I caution you all to be very, very careful about the psyops that are out there, especially things like Flat Earth that are uh, set up to trap truthers and make us look really, really silly. If you want to speculate about the Earth being flat, that's fine. Uh, just try to go out and do some serious you know, work on it. Don't listen to a bunch of clowns on YouTube. Uh, posting a bunch of disinfo and things that any real scientist would just die of laughter looking at. Uh, always, if you can, do your own research. And, um, you know, I make mistakes all the time with my channel. I am far from anywhere near being perfect as a podcaster. Um, and at sometimes I'm outright wrong about things. So, um, but I can tell you I'm right about this, this whole uh, flat earth psyop. And I really, uh, you know, I lament that I have to devote time to this. And I've always lamented that we've, we've had to do podcasts on it, even though some of them are, are very interesting and, and what has happened. But uh, I think if you go and look at some of the podcasts we've done, whenever we did cover the flat earth psyop, we got shilled to high heaven. We got the comments, people coming in uh, like crazy have crazy down votes and you'll see this if you if you do look at the flat earth psyop as it is unfolding or has been unfolding on youtube uh for the last year or so you will see how it works if you put up a flat earth uh, debunking video you'll get hit instantly guaranteed just go and try it try it try and put up a, a flat earth debunked video you'll see shills will show up shills maybe there are some of them are legitimate flat earthers but uh for the most part, this is an operation. And I think people like John, like Eric Dubay, Mark Sargent, uh, interesting too, Mark Sargent, just in case you're wondering, had just recently featured a transgender on his uh, show. 
you know, uh, so he put up a show, you know, talking about how important it is for transgender people to be respected, all part of that LGBT thing. So very, very interesting. But with me, as a researcher, I am don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste my time. and I don't want my audience's time being wasted as well on this. And I'm sorry that I've had to cover this. I owe this to John Bond. I did owe this to him. He did give me the opportunity to come on his show to defend me when he was going after me. So I always remember that. And uh, he is a good sport when it comes to things like that. But I think he is also at the same time highly manipulative and uh, ultimately uh, somewhat dangerous. So, uh, you know, be cautious uh, what what's out there. Don't get stuck in the quicksand. And I think that is a lot of what the flat earth is, is to bait truthers and i think if you look at some of john Lebon's videos where he was challenging we'll do it live to come on and debate the uh flat earth as you see in his videos um you know they they were trying to get us to bite over and over and over again uh you know and eventually we did we did the whole podcast on it and then i recommend it to the 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 people that i was working with that we avoid it completely and that we pretend it didn't exist and then it, it just it didn't go away. It got worse. So we eventually did come back and me and press did a, a podcast on it recently. So, uh, you know, it's important. These things are as important often as the corporate media sort of psyops to, to understand the cognitive infiltration of the truth movement is so important because it, it's a fait accompli. It's done. It's there. It's happening. Take it from someone who's been there on the front lines at the tip of the spear for many years now and has experienced the full force, the full brunt of, of online shilling. There is nothing as, as real. I mean, the notion of the earth being flat is not even as ridiculous as the notion of there being no shills. It's, it's beyond folly to think that the New World Order isn't concerned with the truth movement. It is one of their primary concerns, and it's one of the reasons why they're using ISIS to come after us. So everybody has to be aware of that. You have to protect yourself uh, from the cognitive infiltrators that come into the truth movement to push all kinds of uh, crap. And you, if you look at the channels that push Flat Earth, um, a lot of them were the same channels that were pushing TransAsia, which was a total psyop before it. And that's why I was so aware of it and saw it happen sort of thing. So maybe eventually I'll put together a documentary. It would take a lot of work, though, to to show you how the whole thing manifested and when these videos came out and how I was watching to see where they were coming from and all that. It was very, very interesting. So uh, anyways, I want to thank everyone that came in tonight um, You know, to, to listen to this show. I hope you got a lot out of it, and I hope that you can give us a thumbs up in in the uh, video itself and, and maybe uh, leave a nice comment. And uh, as I said to John, I don't hate John. I don't hate him. I really hope that he sees the light and that he comes out and blows the whistle on, on what their operation has been. That would be a that would be huge. That would be awesome, John. That would be like the best thing ever because we could learn so much from this uh, PSYOP here so anyways with that being said i have been what is it three four three and a half hours boy oh boy that was a long show and uh yeah i need to get off the internet now and get back to life so thank you so much everyone for listening and uh have a wonderful evening